Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and I'm excited to bring you this one, the third of our mountain bike quarantine podcast, and this one is with another full-fledged member of the Gypsy gang, Eddie Masters. He is a New Zealand ripper that has a pretty incredible story of how, I guess, he made mountain biking his full-time gig. Uh, he is the brother of legendary Windmasters, and they make up maybe the coolest brothers in all of mountain biking, in my opinion. Probably biased, but uh, Eddie's a lord, Wind's a lord, and I'm stoked that they have now both made appearances on the podcast. This podcast today is brought to you by the legends at Albert Co., their range of incredible bags, bike bags, gear bags, backpacks. They're dropping at the end of this month. They have been made by Johnny McLean and his team at Lusty Industries. And you've probably bought a bag off them in years previous, but this is their own brand. They've taken all of that knowledge of selling thousands and thousands of bags, seeing all the warranty claims come in. They know if anybody knows they know what can be done better in the bag game and they are about to change said game uh right now you can follow them on instagram at albeco a-l-b-e-k-c-o stay tuned we've got some cool stuff coming up with those legends we are also brought to you by the guys at ride wrap you can head to www.riderap.ca what is ride wrap you ask well RideRap is a bicycle protection company. They offer different degrees of protection to make sure people can get exactly what they need. Their highest degree of coverage is tailored protection. This is a kit that covers up to 95% of the bike frame and is designed to match each model and size. Their library of models is growing every single day and they likely have exactly what you are looking for. And if they don't, they will have it soon. Their mid-range is covered protection. This one is a universal fit that is specific to match the frame style. That means they have kits that are made for dual suspension mountain bikes, hardtails, e-bikes, and road bikes, and they fit a huge range of models. Uh, their essential uh, protection kit protects the areas of the bike and frame that are most prone to wear and will fit any type of bike make model or frame style. Uh, they are available in either a matte or a gloss finish and the wrap is self-healing so that minor marks and scuff disappear with a bit of heat. And they've got a product called Shuttle Armor that provides additional protection from the abuse that comes with shuttle laps. 
you can head once again to riderap.ca. Next, we're brought to you by the legends at Crush Oz. And if you listen to the Brooke McDonald podcast, which I'm pretty sure that you did, you would know that these guys were our first ever sponsor. Man, we've, yeah, we have been with these guys since day one. And uh, I would just recommend you going to crushoz.com, getting their bike care bucket. Uh, It comes with rapid wash. It comes with their premium bike wash. Uh, It's got a drivetrain cleaner in there as well. Uh, and an afterwash, they've got a chamois, they've got like the scrubbing brush deal. I uh, really do take pride in washing my bikes these days and the Crush products definitely make it a lot easier. So crushoz.com. Uh, we're also brought to you by Dry Times. I can tell you what, being wet, it's a thing of the past. Dry Times is the world's best towel. Born and raised on the pristine beaches of the Gold Coast, Australia, Dry Times is the world's best towel. Inspired by good times and purpose built to work hard and play even harder. Beach, gym, pool, travel, moto, whatever your passion, Dry Times is all about creating incredible towels for every adventure. Uh, the fabric is in sane it's like a chamois for your body you know when you chamois a car and you're like how does it get it this dry this quick that's pretty much what these towels are like man towels have been the same forever but the game has changed sand free lightweight and compact and ready for any adventure they're ultra they are ultra absorbent and their performance fabric is five times faster drying than a standard cotton towel Purpose-built for long sun-soaked days on the sand or by the pool and guaranteed to keep you sand-free and super dry. Get wet, dry fast. I'm excited. You can head to drytimes.com and use the code GYPSYGANG for 15% off. That code is also going to be good. It's a family-friendly code, you know, because, you know, Sam's last codes are quite derogatory towards me personally. Uh, I let it fly because, you know what? He's me mate, and sometimes you just got to help dudes out that are kind of like that. Um, but we've changed the code, so it's just a gypsy gang. Uh, wait, should I actually check that? I probably should check that. Sam Moore. I've programmed family-friendly codes for Fist Oz, Fist USA, Dixon, and Dry Times. So Gypsy Gang is going to get you 15% off. That will get you 15% off at fisthandwear.com. That will get you 15% off at drytimes.com. And that will get you 15% off at dixonquality.com.au. Uh, we are also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Design Co. And if you've been following our social media uh, this week, you will see that they're close to hitting 100k on the gram, and those nutcases have gone and bought maybe the only 110 left in Australia from Honda, and they're giving that away once they hit 100k. So, not only can you head to rivalinkdesignco.com to get the dopest stickers for your dirt bike in the game right now, but you can also follow the links uh, to do with that promotion and you can go in the draw to win yourself a CRF 110. Unfortunately, I think I'm out of the draw, which I think is bullshit, but it is what it is. Rivalinkdesignco.com. All right, thank you very much for listening to my dribble, but without further ado, I bring you a really good podcast with a really, really good dude. Eddie Masters. Thank you. I've like, well, because I followed the podcast, I feel like I've 
like kind of know you, but we've never talked to each other. I know, dude. It's such a um, <laughs> it's such a weird one. Like social media is bizarre for that because yeah, like man, I feel like we've spoke to each other like not like we've had in depth yeah, yeah. combos and that, but and then you know, wins like one of me wins my kiwi brother to be honest so to, to <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the fact that we've never really hung out is um is uh yeah bizarre but i'm keen to get this bit one of done. a trip eh? yeah how's it all going anyway just as a general how you going uh fuck it's been uh best way to describe it is the days are slow but the first week's been quick so yeah um it's been all good just it's kind of like you don't really interact with anyone, but I've been using the time to like catch up with mates and shit on the phone. So, mm. but um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend going and living in like a hotel room or spending a bunch of time in a hotel room, but it's been all good. Yeah, I suppose like, I mean, I've said it, um, oh, like, I haven't had to go through it, but I've sort of said from the start, I actually wouldn't mind, but I mean, I, I'll spend fucking six hours reading a book and not really notice that the time's gone and I sort of don't get yeah. to do that too much in my daily life. Like that to me is a, actually an idea of a sick day these days. But, um, but yeah, yeah. No, I've been like um, reading some books and shit, um, doing a bit of writing, just oh, trying, yeah. to, trying to just trying to do stuff that um, kills time, eh? Because, well, and like, Otherwise, I just sit on my phone all day, and mm. uh, yeah, it's a bit. It's just a black hole. Like, I just end the day, and your eyes are sore and shit. So, um, got a bit of a routine in place now. So it's been, I don't know. The days are getting easier. Yeah. Yeah. What um? What books are you reading at the nah. moment? Uh, at the moment, I'm reading a Pat Benatar um, autobiography. Yeah. And. Right. Um, yeah, I read one called Lion. There's like a movie about it, about an Indian boy who gets lost and uh, he gets lost in India and then ends up um, being adopted to Tasmania and then uses Google Maps to like find his home like 25 years later in India. No way. And that's, is that a true um, story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it actually was like, a, uh, they did like a biopic and stuff on it um it's pretty it's pretty good it's called the movie's called lion and the book is as well but i think it was originally called the long way home oh um, yeah 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 so it was pretty it's pretty good i'd seen the movie so i kind of knew what was happening but the book's always better yeah i actually just finished reading the green mile oh true yeah, yeah. so i've seen that but i haven't read the book would you recommend it mate honestly like i mean i read a lot of books a book hasn't made me fucking like physically tear up. I don't, I don't think I've ever, <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually cried in a book, but the last I did, it was a sick book to the point where I was reading. Like every time I sat down, like I, I think I only had f like four sessions of reading it. So yeah, I like sat down the first day was after we did that race in Rocky and then we were on early beach and I just laid on the fucking beach for an hour and I, I pumped through like a hundred pages of it then. And then I had a couple other, like maybe two other sit downs with it and then read the, the whole last like 140 pages in, in one go on like Monday morning, fuck my whole schedule for work. <laughs> but uh, dude, it was, I'll get a, I'll have to put it on the list. Dude, it's an easy read. Like uh, I haven't read any Stephen King before. 
um, I got a crazy Russian and she always recommends uh, like these weird fucking books that I'd never read. But they've actually, everyone that she has <laughs> recommended has been pretty sick. I'm uh, the crazy right. Russian crazy Russian book club. But um, but yeah, yeah, dude, it was unbelievable, man. Like, it, yeah. And I'd, I'd love the movie as well. Um, but to see, uh, to, to read it and like what he could do with the story and like just how quickly you could smash like literally a hundred pages just gone and yeah, that, that's so the, i think that's the best uh yeah so but um i've had a i've had a couple real real good ones um like that lately but yeah that one by far and away like one of the craziest reading experiences i've had yeah i just like it because I don't, I don't read it enough i used to read a bunch when i was at school and when i was at uni and but like nowadays, I just oh, I just been getting sucked into the trap of screens, and it's been yeah. quite a nice reality trick to just sit back and read a book because um, it's so good. Like even just like yeah, you forget how to read and how to write and how yeah. people put words together. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, well, they just uh, if you if you sit on your phone all day, you end up becoming a phone dude you know what's fucking hectic dude like uh, is i mean I've, i i talk about it probably too much but like the the way that we use our attention like our attention is fucked up like even me i'm i'll do um like i'm so so conscious of it these days and i'll do you know like there's a minimum of um you know two hours meditation i try and do throughout the week like overall and you know i spent a lot of time reading and even me like i was walking down the stairs the other night and oh it was last night and i just had an idea pop in my head and i'm literally walking with a fucking garbage bag and my phone in one hand i've got to go to the shed unlock my shed then i'll ride my bike into town to get dinner and just in the time of like struggling with keys and phones and a garbage bag the thought popped in my head to text somebody and then I just immediately, like, you reach for your phone. And you, it's like this cluster fuck. I'm like, I just put my phone in. Oh, it wasn't texting somebody. I wanted to check how our latest YouTube video was doing. And I just, it just hit me and I stopped myself. I started doing it. And I was like, fuck this. I really don't need yeah, yeah. To, to pull my phone out and check my YouTube stats when I'm probably going to do it again when I get to ramen. But our brain is yeah. now just hardwired to be a fuckfest, dude, of just, like, constant shit. Just, like, and you can do it. Like, if I'm, yeah. like, if I'm like, what's the population of uh, Saudi Arabia? Bang, there it is. You know, we just, the limitations of having a thought and then chasing that thought to a result, it's just gone. Like, it's so mm. instantaneous now. And I think it's just created these, fuck, like, we're fucking scattered constantly oh completely man like do you think though so when i was like a grom and stuff i used to like read magazines and i can remember everything you know you can withhold all that knowledge but nowadays yeah. your brain's just a serve because it's just in and out but you can also like pull it just straight off your phone so you don't like you don't remember any of the details do you and, know uh, do you know win's phone number uh off yeah. by heart uh I probably his old phone number but i don't know if he's got a new one yeah because um, like what's the point right yeah 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'm a bit of a numbers guy, so I always remember uh, numbers. Fair enough. But yeah, I mean that um, that ability, like directions, and like there's there's some places now. Like I don't know if you've got this as well, but there's places that I'll go where I go there all the time, but I still need to use my maps, and I'm like, come on, what are we doing here? But then like the the flip, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then the flip side of that is like, what what do we need to remember this shit? Like is the are we using that bandwidth for like more important stuff arguably than like remembering a phone number or whatever but it's a it's a weird thing to think about right mm. all right so it trips it trips me out i like um i don't know i think uh sometimes like i'd like to use my time and everything more wisely and do more productive things but then i don't know it depends on what you deem productive because Mm. yeah but it's a yeah it's a tough one for sure yeah the the screens thing though i mean i think that as much time as you could spend off a screen these days is probably the move because yeah i just don't i think that there's just so many like just trappings of it in turn i think it just takes away from like your experience of like what is where you are who you're with like you know there's there's a lot of just the obviously it's uh, yeah it's like great that we've got the ability to um connect and find out information and stuff like that but if it gets to the point there's just got to be a balance of like guaranteeing like a good human experience yeah exactly like just put the phone down and see it through your own eyes you don't need to put it on your story and then watch mm. it back it's better just to watch it in person i reckon yeah yeah, Which, huh? like, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a sucker for it, but I'd like to I like to think that that is the best way. Even though sometimes I don't always live by it. Mm. What um? So what sort of stuff have you been writing? Um, fuck! I just wrote I just wrote a bit of an opinion piece oh. about how the UCI. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to stir the pot a bit about some stuff that obviously I'm quite passionate about, but yeah. um. Yeah, so I, I just think that um, yeah, no one's real. No one really goes to bat for the little guys. And downhill mm. is a down. Well, well, downhill now is a different place to when I started. So like, I came from privateer. I didn't come up through like mm. um, like a junior I, was, team I wasn't sort of Fred, Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't have my like career paved out at all. I never. I never even like thought I was going to have a career. I was just there for a good time, um, but. Yeah, so I always like to think, don't forget where you came from. And now mm. the playing field isn't as level as it was when I started. Um, it's harder for privateers to race. The whole race itself is harder for them. And uh, it's only getting harder and no one seems to care. So I just wrote a bit of a uh, stir the pot piece um and threw it out this morning and it's, it's it's been pretty well received obviously there's always two sides to every mm. argument and um i could yeah i'm always yeah i can definitely see different perspectives but i just think right at the moment um everything's geared towards uh the top pros but a lot of these top pros they came from out you know they weren't winning mm. races from the get-go yeah. So um, there's nothing to say that the next Lark Bruni is someone who's going to fail to qualify a few times at his first World Cup. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, that's, 
that's the nature of downhill that um, you can, you know, it ta- it's a kind of sport that takes a while to figure out. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, what's like so the I current... Just think, yeah. Sorry, man. Oh, no, no, carrot. So, I was just saying, um, yeah, so I just wrote down wrote down a few words and, um, yeah, had a, had a few slide digs at the UCI, which is like our governing body. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, fuck, like, we obviously just had Brooke on and he's talking about his... Uh, the ordeal of getting off that fucking hill and you know the fact that it still doesn't really sound like from him that the uci was you know offered much of an apology or even came to him as like a person that had this crazy experience and be like hey man we realized that yeah you were on a fucking hill with a broken back for a really long time and you know what could we have done better and what could you know what do you think we should do going forward because it's like you know, you can, you got a guy that's just speaking from this firsthand experience that they just haven't seen. So it sounds like there's a bunch of stuff that the UCI uh, or riders aren't extremely stoked with when it comes to the UCI. Yeah. Well, there's just, uh, you know, obviously officially they have riders reps and stuff, but um, in my eyes, like the riders reps um, aren't really doing their job because the riders aren't getting ripped (laughs) um yeah yeah. so like you know there's rule changes and stuff that no one knows about and uh everything kind of uh so the writer rep is greg minar and i love greg he's a great guy but um you know there are you know there are without like pointing fingers and shooting guns it's like there are some things that could change for the better um and that's not entirely his fault but um it would be good to see him leading the charge in terms of like opening up the communication and stuff but yeah. like bring it bringing it back to brooks stuff um you know like there was obviously it was a shit situation from the get-go with the evacuation and stuff and like no one was to blame it was just because there were the procedures in place weren't quite adequate to deal with an accident like that mm. but you think like just on a human level Ringing, just ringing up the guy and saying like how are you going <laughs> like <laughs> you know like that's, what, that, that's what you're meant to no like that's what you're meant to do like as a yeah. person you just it's it's like if uh, someone gets knocked over in the street and you don't know them like you don't personally know them but you like ask if they're okay or they need a hand yeah and like um there was none of that and there still hasn't been and like mm. that's that's embarrassing for them. Yeah, hundred like, percent. Yeah, it's, it's real easy. <laughs> yeah, to, like, real easy to call. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I was talking to Brooke about it, and he's like, I don't want to hold a grudge. And I'm like, dude, you're not holding a grudge. It's like, if if they're saying fuck you to, if they're saying fuck you, you say it back because like that's essentially what's going on. Is mm. uh, yeah, there's obviously you're not gonna. Then, you know you're not going to go go and buy the bloke a beer yeah um and he and he and they haven't said hey like great to see you back or you know yeah. like his his recovery his recovery was like remarkable yeah and the whole world watched the whole world watched it and there's no way that you're in charge of a mountain bike organization and you didn't see all of this unfolding so to be at a race and know that he was there and just to not go up and say, Hey, it's great to have you back. 
is um yeah that's that's embarrassing i reckon what about on the broadcast and stuff like was there any content made around the like the recovery and you know was there any sort of because like i'm just thinking i'm promoting a race brooke mcdonald gets fucked up and then makes a remarkable recovery like if you look at the the ufc and i mean this is me just assuming that the UCI wants to make the sport bigger and better. Like, so yeah, let's yeah, just, yeah, I yeah. don't know. I don't even know if they give a fuck. Like, so this is just mm. me as a person thinking that if I was running that organization, I'd probably want to make it bigger and better. And it's like, you look at the UFC, they just tell stories. Like that's what sells their entire sport. The, the, the fighting is almost a secondary component to the stories that they sell. And, you know, like, you had yeah. Khabib fight on the weekend. And it's like, Khabib Nurmagomedov, 28-0. and 0. His father just died. He's doing this for his father's legacy. And it's like, that's everything. Like, that's the whole fucking broadcast. And you, you're getting sucked into these stories. And it's like, you kind of don't... You don't even have to be a fight fan to relate to somebody that's gone through that. And then all of a sudden, that's your horse in the race. And then it's like you have one of the sports top guys go down like red bull dude like all the way from new zealand breaks his back at world champs motherfuckers back at world champs a year later it's like there's a song and dance in that and mm. you know that is something that you can kind of get people to like watch the broadcast like give them a reason to watch that guy like make it this so i mean on a personal level you should probably want to call the guy and say you know, like, are you all good? Blah, blah, blah. Welcome back to the races. But just on a fucking business level, like, that shit could, like, make you more money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of, um, so the UCI are, like, kind of the rule makers. It's not, um, and then, like, Red Bull. So Red Bull were kind of selling the story. And there was mm. obviously, like, lots of, uh, a fair bit of hype around him returning. Yeah. Um, and, every all the commentators and stuff were making a big deal about it because oh, it was a big deal yeah. deservedly so um but yeah the uci just kind of like the the ones who so they're the just like the and, governing body like that's all they do yeah yeah so red bull red bull are in charge of like the broadcasting yeah um and they and like they've done a great job elevating the sport because to like whole new levels which is sick and then the uci are the they're kind of like the gov they're just the governing body who implement mm. the rules and uh yeah but it's kind of i don't know from the outside looking in it's it's a bit of inside jobs and a bit of a mafia vibe about it so yeah, yeah in, in what? It's, always, it's always it's always good to stick it to the man yeah yeah but in what like because i mean the governing body like it's sort of the same in motocross really like you've got the fim like i fucking hate the involvement of the fim and like their drug testing policies and the 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 penalties that they hand down it's just like it's a fucking shit show like an absolute shit show and i feel like i mean it's probably a it's a huge tangent but like just in general the way that people are penalized in um you know motocross because like essentially i i was talking about it um with cody mackie and i was like if you like you drug cheat or whatever let's say you you know take human growth hormone or fucking whatever you get caught with steroids in one mo or like one motor or one season i said to him like all right how about 
you run a 450 in the 250 class like what would give you a bigger advantage in terms of you know like winning that race and then he's like well the 450 like 100 percent. so it's like okay so over the 450 motor would give you more of an advantage than if you just took steroids he's like 100 percent. i'm like all right so go put a 450 motor in your bike and see if you get banned for four years (laughs) yeah 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 you get black flags and then you change your motor and then you can ride the next fucking race yeah that's uh i've never really thought of it like that but um yeah that's uh that's a pretty good way of putting it eh um but yeah any of those kind of any of these everyone most athletes seem to have a bit of a uh well i never that never seem to be that stoked with the governing Mm. body of whatever sport it seems but um yeah it's just like um they make it hard for people to have world cup events they make there's like you have to jump through so many hoops which mm. count out certain like you know like we I, I guess you've probably like heard of whistler and stuff yeah, um, yeah. crankworks like but they should be having a world cup there it's like it's just it's like it's, a mecca yeah, of mountain just biking. exactly and like during the biggest bike festival of the year you know you've got like hundreds of thousands of people going there um and I, I know that they've like tried to make it happen, but the UCI just like keep kind of putting up roadblocks and stuff. But like you should be trying to bring this, elevate the sport and take it to new places. Like yeah. rather than, so like for the past, for the past like six or seven years, we like, con- we raced mainly the same destinations. Yeah. Um, and it's because you have to meet such strict criteria and jump through so many hoops that a lot of events like never get off the ground. Whereas, like, my thinking would be, like, well, the riders want it. They want different tracks. And isn't it good to – and the viewers as well want to see different tracks because it is kind of – it is a bit the same same when, you, when you've been, like, racing on the same track for six years mm. um, that it would be sick to go some new places. And they kind of are, but um, I'm sure there's a lot more goings on in the background that I'm not aware of, but – from the outside, uh, I'm sure everyone, fans, writers, and everyone in between would be stoked to see some change. Yeah. Well, I think um, I think it's one of those things too where, you know, there, there is like a, a bit of a disconnect when the people that, like when it's just a governing body and they don't have like a vested interest in the actual growth of the sport itself. And it's just like the there's like uh a reference at a bunch but i think it's like important to think about that it's like if you are a computer programmer and you you can build these systems and then you you make the goal of the system to just run there and give it no other parameters no uh, no no other objectives and it all it will do is just like fight to stay a system and I think that that's sort of the same thing that happens in like government and the same thing that happens in like the FIM or the UCI. It's like that it's just this system and it's like, hey, we're just trying to stay a system. Can you leave it? You know what I mean? Like, just chill out, bro. Like, we're just over here being what we're supposed to be. There's no, there's no, nothing else in the system that would say like one of the functions of the system is to grow the sport or whatever it is that's involved in and i think that that's like such a that's just such like a weird thing to put on uh 
a governing body because then you you've got this like this resistance that is just going to be inevitable because let's say yeah you've got red bull and then red bull's got to deal with the uci and be like we want to go to these tracks because it can film it get you know we can film with these different things or blah blah whatever the reason or we're already here for crankworks and then you know the uci then can push back with like all of these things that would have to happen that are outside of their system for that event to work. And then they're like, mm, I don't know, man, I feel like we just kind of want to keep being a system. Like it doesn't really, th there's no incentive there for the UCI to do anything different than what it just sort of does. No, exactly. And I, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head there and that's how it seems to be. But, um, there's, there's like some pushback now from the writers and stuff. So hopefully, um hopefully we'll see some change but i mean at the end of the day like fuck dude i've got like what is my dream job it never seems like a job i'm lucky to be able to do it yeah. um you know i yeah i just want you know like i'm not complaining at all because um i'd go and race the same tracks for the next 10 years if i if it meant i could keep doing it yeah um so yeah yeah but it'll just but it's be part cool, of having you know, passion you know yeah, exactly. And, and uh, yeah, if you like, if even if you speak out a bit and then it starts getting some traction and then 10 years down the track, something does change. Well, it was worth it. But don't get me wrong. It's like what we do, we're fucking lucky. It's yeah. sick. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, uh, you know, it's not that bad yeah dude I, I find one of the things that i'm finding more and more lately and especially in old corona time is that i just feel like leaders are done like there's just no leaders in the world anymore i feel like the, our culture's just been so fucking nerfed down and it's so anytime you want to step outside the box or put your hand up and be a leader you're either going to get told or oh, who the fuck you think you are or you're going to get um you know the powers that be are going to push back or somebody's going to take the things that you said out of context. It just seems like it's too hard these days. Like there's so many roadblocks to just standing up and being like a legitimate leader. And it's like, again, to go back to the UFC, you've got like, that's an organization that's got a definite leader. Like he's the dude that is in charge. Dana White is like the dude that's in charge of the UFC. Like, you know, the direction that it's going and then there's a, a press conference at everything and he'll just tell you exactly what's going on and it's like you can see that that sport benefits from leadership and it's like in motocross i don't know that we have like this clear leader well, who's the guy like yeah like i follow motocross but i wouldn't know who uh what's who his name uh, oh, fuck i'm tripping on the dude's name um but, you know, I should know is I, I, I he's know. Not, he's not like the Messiah. He's not like Dana White. Yeah, but I mean, and it's not like everyone needs to act like him as such. Um, but it's like, there should be a rep, you know what I mean? There should be a guy where you're like, even if you hate the dude, you're like, well, he's got a hard job to do. Like, he's dealing with a lot. Mm -hmm. and But it's like, who the fuck can you even say that about? You know, and for the outdoors, yeah. it's Davey Coombs. And I think he's like, pe you know, people sort of know um that he's sort of the guy but again it's not like a super active kind of role and that's why um i'm not sure if you know who adam bailey is but we just had him on the podcast and he's the guy that um 
him and Sando run He's Oz the Aussie X Open guy, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like, I'm so stoked that there's a guy like him that has now stood up and he like is willing to have the voice and he's willing to talk through the issues of like, because I mean, even for me during that podcast with him, I'm like, I'm like, well, what's your take? Because I hate that we go to these dog shit little stadiums, put eight start gates and then have like, it's literally terrible in terms of like my experience of that race. But then he'll sit there and just say, well, we got 80% of attendance have, have nothing to do with motorcycles. They wouldn't know the difference between a double or a quad or if whoops were big or small, like they don't know. And that's the gateway into like people becoming fans of the sport. So like, that's ultimately what should matter. And then it's like, mm. all right, I can, uh, I can get, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's like a position that I've yeah, held. Yeah. Like a, that's a thing I've like spoke about and I've talked about, but I got a guy there that's like, I trust that. I trust him. I respect him. And then he says that that's the way it is. And then I'm like, hmm. okay. Okay. All right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm catching it. But it's like, that's leadership. And you know, you could, yeah. you could, it's a risk to go out and be that guy and to talk like that and to take, even just to like take a stance on issues can be fucking daunting these days. But it's like, there's a guy that's down to do it. And I'm personally better as a fan and a per, like someone in the industry for it because I'm like, okay, I got a bit of context. I got a bit of perspective. Oh, maybe I won't shit can those races. And, you know, because now I, I get it. And it's like, I just think that, you know, leadership is not around in the form that it, that it used to be. No. And I think uh, partly because everything you say lasts forever. Mm, true like uh that's kind of a risk that's kind of a daunting thing in itself because you're like you've always got to be so pc or at least lift yourself one one door open to get out the back yeah true (laughs) like uh you know like you can't you can't say some you can't go out you can't go on paper and call people out and then say you didn't do it because they'll just be like no you said it yeah and nowadays like you can't uh, say sorry like you know you can say oh i did say that i was kind of fucked up and people like too bad bro you're done (laughs) yeah 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 so no i guess times have changed but i don't know um i know it's it's interesting that you like mentioned covid because um i was listening to i think it was the podcast you did with troy candy Mm. saying how um you know like we we think we all have all this freedom but we don't really. Nah. We just do what we're told. Dude. <laughs> yeah. And it's... like, I, I do too. It's like, uh, you know, as soon as we went into lockdown, I went home and lock, locked down. It was like, that's what we're <laughs> yeah. told to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I went out digging trails and got caught by the police. They sent me home. I went home with the tail between my legs because yeah. that's what they told me to do. It wasn't like, nah, fuck the system. Fuck COVID. I'm free. I'm out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just like, oh, okay, sorry, officer. I'll go to home then. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so we're not, we're definitely not as free as we think we are. But um, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm no expert. Um, I don't, traveling around Europe and shit, well gone. It like definitely um, opened my eyes uh, a bit because I thought it was going to be like apocalyptic and the media were making it out to be this mm. crazy thing. But um, life was pretty normal. I got off the plane in Geneva, went to Morzine, got on the piss, went to the pub, 
life was normal. I was like, this isn't what I was expecting. Uh, and then from there on in, obviously they brought in masks pretty soon after that. But fuck, so many people got COVID. Um, like I knew heaps of people who had it, and it, like no one was falling and falling dead in the street, and they went bulldozing bodies off the sidewalk. Yeah. But, oh well. Yeah, and unless you go and live in the, unless you actually go and live like a hermit, mm. um, you have to. The whole population has to be in on however they're going to combat it, because if ten percent don't do it, then there's no point in doing it. So I was just mm. like, obviously wear the mask and do what you're told, but I just kind of cracked on like normal because otherwise well you can't do you can't like yeah you can't be a pussy forever yeah (laughs) well it's it's funny like i had this conversation um i've got a a listener um anthony uh and he's listened to the podcast forever and i always sort of go back and forth with him and, and he hit me in the comments with some with some shit and and you know like he makes some good points and about you know it should be taken seriously but the 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 big thing and i probably didn't articulate it as well as i could have in the podcast with troy but it's like we 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 need laws and we all agree that we need Mm. laws and that's why we live by these laws but so I, i sort of i think that there's like this acceptance of mortality or like the acceptance of potential mortality that we all need to have because if you get in a car, you could die. If you get in a bus, you could die. If you live in a fucking building that is higher than a human should be able to fall and survive, you could die. Like there is just this like constant risk of mortality that nobody can get away with. And it's like driving is the best example of this. It's like if you go super fast, you could get out of control and you could kill someone real easily. But so we introduced this speed limit that's a hundred Ks an hour. Like that's kind of like this standard speed limit. And that is the government trying to mitigate risk while also ensuring a quality of life. Because let's say that they said, oh no, you can die in cars. So the maximum that any car ever is allowed to go is 20 kilometers an hour. Well, there'd be no fucking point having cars. You wouldn't get your groceries and you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You wouldn't get your groceries. You would, you wouldn't, uh, be able to get to work on time. Like it'd take, you couldn't, people couldn't live in any distance away from their fucking, their work. So there's all of these like logistical things that would kind of fuck with society to a point where everybody would go, this doesn't make sense anymore. Like that there, there needs to be a balance. So it's not like. I mean, especially for like Victoria. And I think that, man, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that is, it's going to just cripple people in a massive way and cripple entire industries that we sort of haven't really seen yet. But, you know, especially in talking about like the lockdowns in Victoria and the, and even the UK, man, like I'm real good friends. They've only only just come out, eh? They're not even all the way out yet, dude. Yeah. 200 and it's like 260 days. Yeah, it's fucked, man. <laughs> well, so, one month in New Zealand was long enough. And so that sort of is that sort of goes to my driving analogy is like, yeah, we need rules and we need to like make stuff that's safe. But at the same time, you know, in the same way that the driving limit is 100 k's an hour, like you can still die at 100 kilometers an hour. Make no fucking mm. mistake about it. But it's like that law got made 
in that way because it's like, okay, you can die in a car at any speed, but uh, this is like the fine line between it allows people to, you know, travel and get places they need to go, but it also is going to be, you know, a speed that is semi-responsible. And it's like, that to me is just didn't happen, especially in Victoria. Like, I don't really know much about the rest of the world, yeah. but it's like, they, they basically dropped the speed limit to fucking three kilometers an hour. And then everyone's like, well, we should just walk. Yeah. Nah, that's a, that's a pretty good analogy. Cause, um, yeah. I mean, surely the social cost of going into a lockdown for 260 days is going to kill more people than, uh, COVID is going to anyway. Mm. And just like the long-term economical, like, man, just, yeah, yeah, like uh, people losing their jobs, uh like mental health yeah. um there's so many things that are like you can't even measure that yeah but the the the, the trickle down effect will be like for years mm-hmm. um so i don't know it is obviously there's no right or wrong and like no one will ever know what was right or wrong mm. but um yeah i i think in two years time or whatever they'll be able to compare different countries and stuff and see how it is because, I mean, we've got it pretty good in New Zealand. Like, we can... Well, no one Life's normal. There's only four of you. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're just like a, we're just like a city. We're just looking just, after all the sheep, bro. Oh, wait, you're just a big fucking school. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then school went on holiday. School went on holiday for a month, but no one was allowed to leave home. Yeah, And then we came much. back and it was... Yeah, it was all good. But, um, you know, even then, there's like... Shutting our borders entirely is going to have a big cost the economy because we don't have people to do the jobs that kiwis don't want to do mm. um so like that's going to be a problem but at the moment with you know like we had a subsidy and stuff so everyone money's still trickling around and uh life seems to be ticking over pretty well so far yeah i wonder it it's a it definitely was a uh, an interesting argument for or like an interesting case study in the argument for like universal basic income. I don't know if you've like heard too much about the theories behind that. Yeah, yeah. It's actually something that I, I think your first knee jerk reaction of, of hearing something like given everybody X amount of money, regardless of what they do. I think the knee jerk reaction is just to go like, fuck that. Then you'll get this, then you'll get that, then you'll get this. But like, mm this COVID period was sort of like that, man. It's like, we almost did do it and the system could handle it, obviously, because we fucking, it did happen. Yeah. Like they did get paid that money, but yeah, man, I feel like that's almost uh, something that could be even looked at more and more because, you know, like there was so, I know, I know so many people that have had like their quality of life has just improved dramatically because they were able to make, a, a fairly like i think it was 750 um, um 750 a week i 750 think 750 a week yeah, yeah something like that i i actually was one of the fucking unlucky ones that didn't get a cent um don't drop merch <laughs> on the first month of covid because <laughs> they they actually they took it back off uh if you made x amount you have to make 30 percent less than you did the the year before Oh, and then you had sales. I fucking dropped merch, bro. <laughs> I just fucked yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Fuck. the t- uh, dude, it was like 
my accountant did the the thing because he's like you should apply any well like not you should he's like we could apply anyway and i was like oh fuck i just nah i'm just not gonna not gonna deal with it but i literally made like 600 bucks too much money because i sold these fucking t-shirts <laughs> but, uh, well you won't do that you just don't do it again when there's another pandemic on the rise nah fucking just i'm just not gonna try and do better for myself anymore you know <laughs> nah you must just get on the uh 750 a week's all good oh but i mean there was a lot of people that actually um you know that completely changed Dude, their like, life, 750, like 750 a week is like good cash. I, like uh yeah i think like um when I last last time I worked, um, my I'd get seven hundred bucks a week for forty hours, um, like landscaping. So, um, yeah, and I'll probably I'll probably go back and do that same job for a month or two before Christmas or when I get out of here, mm. and I'll get seven hundred bucks a week. But that's all good if you're not like, yeah, it's that's a plenty to live off. Yeah, and then I think it, you know, yeah. the, the argument is that you then gonna kind of free up people to you know, do more of the things that they want to do. And, and, you know, you kind of give people this like freedom to sort of choose the way that they live their life. But it, I guess it, you know, like shit hasn't stopped working. Like people still go to McDonald's, people still like every, cause mm -hmm. I, I think that if you look at, you know, the general unhappiness of people and of society, then you'd, have to look at poverty as being basically the main indicator of of you know unhappiness yeah. and then the, the crime that comes from you know areas that are in in poverty i also think that um a lot of the unhappiness comes from um the weight of expectation because we're just like part of the rat race and everyone mm. has this expectation to get nice things and stuff but like Fuck, you go to Italy or somewhere and uh, life's slow. Everyone's chilling. Like, you know, obviously people aren't making heaps of money, but um, everyone's happy and, like, the pace of life is slower. Mm. And, uh, like, I like it because, um, you know, it's not so materialistic. Like, everyone just chills in the street and watches the world go by, but no one's in a rush. And, like, when you come home, everyone's in a rush. Mm. And... Uh, I think being in that rat race only accelerates unhappiness if you feel like you're not keeping up with the other rats. Yeah, yeah, no, no, dude, you're so right. And do you feel like that even yeah. in, in New Zealand? Yeah, man, like, um, well, even so, like, a lot of my friends from uni and then from school and stuff, they've all like, they all went off and got normal jobs and I never like got a normal job. I like finished uni and went racing straight away. And even then, um, when you're mixing in like different circles, people, people are like, Oh, when are you going to like, when are you going to go get a real job? And like, when are you going to like settle down and when are you going to buy a house and stuff? Yeah. And even just, just those like comments, you feel like, yes, like you've got this sick, you're living these sick experiences. And like now, as I've gotten a little bit older, I've like figured out that fuck all the, fuck, fuck the accountants and everything who are like putting away and you're know, like building their little empire. Cause at the end of the day, you've got it so much better if you've just got experiences, mm. but um, you do feel like the, the expectation to keep up and then 
But at the end of the day, the last thing you want to do is keep up because they're the ones who are cooking it. Yeah, and and you you do get the sense that because I mean I, I'm definitely in a very similar position. Like I just left school and started my business. Like I saved my money for schoolies even, and I was like, I'm gonna buy a bunch of t-shirts. I'm gonna fucking have a t-shirt brand, and that's what I'm gonna do. You know, like I just I never wanted to work for somebody because you'd always get the sense that they were. You, you just work to work to work to work. Like it's this vicious cycle. Like you, you're getting this money to get ahead, but it's like, what are you getting ahead of? Like, what's this, what's the metric? Who's the, what's the thing you're trying to stay in front of? And if you're always like unhappy doing it, then like you're unhappy running from something that I don't even, exactly even know what it is that's chasing you. And then in my, my, in my situation, like, um, it, like it has all worked out and um like i have i have bought a house and stuff but i've done it and it's just because i stuck with doing something that i loved mm. and it's not because you know i never would have thought that was possible but um it worked out because that's that's just the way <laughs> that's the way they're like that the way that it happened but had i gone had i probably gone and got the desk job and stuff it wouldn't have worked it wouldn't have worked out and i just would have been like shit probably partying way too much on the piss Mm. um and i would have missed out on all the stuff that really mattered Mm. for me (laughs) if that makes sense oh no yeah so like yeah yeah so it's just like um i i guess i went with my gut and i always followed my gut feeling and so far it's been bang on the money and um so i kind of just like feel like you should just i should just keep doing that because mm. <laughs> so far it's been so far it's been sick yeah it's funny like when you talk about experiences and it's like like everything is just an experience like all we are is our five senses interpreting the shit that they can interpret and then that just gets put into one picture and then that's like that's what you are essentially and it's like Mm. everything then is experience and you can chase these experiences that are fulfilling and that you know that have these i guess the feelings that the experiences that you could say like add to you if you sort of stripped everything back like what are that you're the sum of like these great experiences and like it's to the point where, you know, you can't, like I was shopping the other day and I just saw a bait, like a toddler running through the shopping center. And it's like it, that it was at the age where it could only just run. And there's just nothing going on, but the experience of that, like it doesn't know it's a shopping center. It doesn't know there's other people. It does, barely, that kid probably knew it was a person, but like the experience was, it's all it was. You're just looking at pure experience, no interpretation of it, no money, no job, no self, no nothing. And then that instantly made me smile. Like you can't, you couldn't look at that kid. So there is something that's like very tangible there in terms of like having like those great experiences. Cause like we can just recognize it in a fucking baby running at you and you can't not smile at it. Yeah, and well, like, um, whether it's good or bad, um, you know, like what you do and what you experience makes you who you are. So, 
Um, but it also like depends on how you react, especially to like bad experiences, um, which can like navigate well, which can like help you navigate so much more coming up. Yeah. But um, yeah. <laughs> Getting deep, eh? <laughs> That's what we do, baby. What What even was the path like? Cause I've spent a bunch of time around Win, and I know like he yeah. was living he was living in Cairns when I was still in Cairns and uh, working for Miles, who I grew up riding with, and he had like probably the most unconventional route to being a professional mountain bike rider, and like so, what what was your route to that? And then, you know, where was it in relation to like wind and, and, you know, you guys sort of coming up at, at that time? Um, so as a, I guess me and Wynn grew up riding bikes from as far as far back as I can remember. I can't remember ever not having bikes or jumps in the backyard and stuff. Um, and then I guess fast forward to like 18, um, I was, I was like good as a junior, but not good enough you know we had some top juniors who were kind of going gonna go on to big things on the world and i wasn't quite up to standard um so i went to four years um and then that time was when like the internet and stuff was they were starting cast racing and that's when win was starting to race so i was like tuning in and watching all the races and that kind of like Fighter, I was like, well, fuck, it looks so much fun. I hear all the stories of when when comes home and stuff, and it just sounds like a ball. So mm. I was like, as soon as I fin- as soon as I finish uni, I'll go and do a year or two um, privateering and just travel around. Because what like, did you do at uni? He, um, I studied international business and marketing. Um, I didn't really know. I just didn't want to go to work. I hated working, so I was like, <laughs> fuck, and I just. And the, the uni I went to was like a huge party town and it was like probably the most fun you could ever have. Yeah, Brooke, years, wait, so. Brooke literally said, ask him about uni parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it was, yeah, it was a good, good time. And I like cherish those years forever because like, I even, if I hadn't gone to uni, I never would have made it as a mountain bike racer anyway. It was just like right time. Like, like yeah. Um, yeah. So like everything kind of just, worked out i don't know it was just right time right place for like my whole career but um yeah so obviously when kind of like sparked my interest and then brooke was killing it he was just getting started i had so many friends who were like racing um i just kind of felt like i was the one missing out because i was the only <laughs> one from like from the, like the kind of original crew who wasn't really on the world cup yeah but ne- never did I think I was like good enough. But so yeah, I went and I went and raced for, in 2012 and did four World Cups and I didn't qualify any. <laughs> and I was just like, "Fuck, this is like." I kind of more than anything, I was embarrassed because everyone knew me as Wynn's brother. So like, I didn't know any of them, but they all knew me because they mm. were because Wynn was well known, on, you know, because he's that kind of guy. And I was like, fuck, I've kind of just like embarrassed the family name here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, it kind of, um, yeah, lit a fire in my belly to like, at least I was like, fuck it, I'll go back and do another year. Um, and if I can just qualify at one World Cup, 
I'll um I'll be happy. Then I've like at least ticked off a bucket list thing. But um, the first year I was trying to be all pro about it, and I had like you know the sick kit and a name on my on my back and stuff, and I was like. I was just trying to, you know, the whole thing in the rat race, I was trying to keep up with everyone else who, like, had all the nice shit on their bike. And uh, so the second year, I just, like, bought a shitty bike. Well, not a shitty bike, but a bike that I wanted to ride. Bought all the secondhand parts for it, saved money there. Went racing, like, raced in, like, party shirts and had a leather jacket that I had a leather (laughs) jacket and stuff that I raced in. And, like, three of us lived in a van and we did the whole summer. And like straight away, I started getting good results, and I was just like, "Well, fuck!" That was the piece that was missing. Is like I wasn't actually being me. Mm. I wasn't. Yeah, I was trying to be someone else. And um, so that year, I had like pretty good results and basically qualified at every World Cup. That's um, sick. With some good. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, "Oh, this is me." And then I was getting like lots of publicity in the websites and stuff. So I was like. I kind of felt like a ride was just going to get served up to me because now I'd kind of made a name for myself. Yeah. But obviously that's not how it works. <laughs> um, not at all. So I was just kind of like, uh, once, once I realized that no one was going to give me a ride, I was like, fuck it. I'll go and, um, I was like, well, if there's no team going to sign me, I'll start my own team. So I just went on the internet and emailed every bike company that didn't have a downhill team and used my marketing stuff to put say, together a bit of business, a uh, business and marketing degree. <laughs> this yeah, is my, yeah, so I this put is my school project. Yeah, yeah. So I had a little summer project and um so the yeah, managed to get a German company to give us thirty thousand euros and um enlisted the enlisted the um Dentist Jack Moyer and had a, another chick who's gone on to great things, Casey Brown, and we went. We started a team for 2014 and what, what was uh, went the, racing. What was the bike company? Uh, it's called Bergamont. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, and then so I basically was a team manager slash rider for the next four or five years. Fuck, that's um, amazing. <laughs> yeah, and we ran it. On, we ran it on like oh, it was the funniest setup. Like, dude, I'd. I'm like, when I get on the piss, I lose my cards, I lose everything, I lose my phone. So like, I'd lose my cards, then I'd have to transfer like five grand into some whoever's on the team at the time's account, and then we'd start <laughs> using their card. And then like, there'd be times where we'd be like waiting for payments because like I didn't have, I didn't have an overdraft, I didn't have a credit card. Everything's on a debit card. So like, if you run out of money, you've run out. Yeah, you've so got there'd be times money. where we. Yeah, there'd be times where we're like running from, we're doing the runner from hotels and then like um, waiting for the money to come and then we'd go back and pay and they'd be like, oh, and they're just, oh, it's pretty funny. It was was like such a sick way to do it. And like, um, I always had Kiwis, you know, no mechanics. And um, I was, because I was kind of like in the control seat, I could always pick who was going to join the team. And everyone who rode for us went on to like, so the guy who won the world champs this year, Reese Wilson, he rode for us. No shit. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was like. So you're like um, the Mitch Payton, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah totally, Roger, totally. Wait, you're Roger nah. Costa, bro. You're just pulling. You're just pulling crew out of the B class. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a pretty sick time because, um, 
well, essentially I was the boss, but I'm not like a, a boss kind of person. I just, I don't care if, if, as long as people turn up and race and put in the effort that like I kind of expect that I would put in, I don't give a, I don't give a fuck if you want to go out partying. Cause like I, I was probably out partying as well. Yeah. So like we had a, we had a shitload of fun. Um, and yeah. And then like 2017, it kind of wound down and I, um, with the bikes, yeah, we good? kind of merged my, yeah, the bikes were all good, but like we, you can't be competitive on shit bikes. So from the outside, people thought we had shit bikes, but we actually had real good stuff. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So like, we're pretty lucky and, uh, fuck, we had some funny, we had some funny times. Like, yeah, it was just like running a seriously loose, loose program, but it was working on Sunday when the Dude. race came, when the race mattered. And how good's Jack Moyer, dude? Like, that kid is just the biggest lord, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, the first year having Jack, we bought, I bought this, like, uh, $1,000 bus off um, eBay and flew to, like, uh, London and picked it up. And, but we, like, lived in this bus for the whole summer, like, me and him and uh, two others. And we cruised around. It, it would, like, the top speed was, like, 75Ks an hour. And we drove, we drove it probably 15, 20,000 Ks around Europe at 75 Ks an hour. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we like one time we snapped, we look, we snapped the key off in the ignition. So then we oh. hot wired it, but the, um, but the steering lock went on. So we tried to snap the steering lock so that we could <laughs> keep driving. And then we snapped the steering wheel off. So then we had to drive it for like five hours through the Alps <laughs> with, um, Vice grips as a steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, oh, fuck. that's shit like that. It's like yeah, good yarns to come out of that period. Uh, it was sick. Did you um? Were you like documenting any of that shit? Like, was the film thing like sort of big back then, or? Um. So yeah. Oh, we were and we weren't. I wish I wish we were more. But um, there's if. Like that whole period's kind of documented on a lot of the Vanzac videos, um, uh, yeah, which yeah, you can yeah. find which you which you can find on YouTube if you just Google Vanzacs. Yeah, and um, yeah, so they the boys who were doing the van life then, which we were doing, um, were doing like a series called Home is Where You Park It. Mm. So there's, uh, I remember watching some. Of yeah, them. all, yeah, all those videos kind of really give off the the vibes that we're going down. Dude, that shit's so funny. But, yeah. And then, so when did yeah, yeah. when did that uh, wind but, down? Uh, so it kind of it got to the point where, for me, where um, I mean, we were we were obviously doing it on the cheap, and the budget got ra- ramped up quite a bit, but like not to the point where it was. So like at the end of each season, there was just never anything left over for me because I was always like I was so keen to make it happen that I was like mm. doing all these deals. I was doing all these deals, but I'd just be like, oh, sw-. they'll be like, oh, no, we can't do it for this. And I'll be like, oh, sweet. Can you do it for this? Like I was mm. always just underselling myself. And then, um, so it just got to the point after a few years where I was like, fuck, if it's like, I'm not really getting anything out of this, even though on paper I have a salary because my salary just gets chewed up because I keep, you know, like I've, I've just under budgeted the whole year. Um, so I was like, uh, and I felt like 
I was I was writing real fast, but there was just so much on my mind. Mm. Um, I was con- I was constantly worried about money. That I was just crunching numbers. Like I like I said, I was a numbers guy. So I'm just constantly like weighing. You know, like got to pay for these flights. Got to pay for this accommodations coming up. Like I've got this payment coming in. Um, how am I going to like make it last until the next payment comes in? Mm. And uh, I think it just started like distracting from the racing because. I was I was riding real good, but I like was lacking consistency. I was like, one race I'd be real fast, the next race I crash, and then that'd dent your confidence, and then there. Yeah. So I was like, 2017, I was. Uh, it was kind of a good timing because like Bergamont got sold to another company. It all changed hands. Didn't really look like uh, they were going to like do another deal with us, and I was already kind of like toying with the idea of going and riding for another team just as a rider, not not mm. running the team myself um and then the dude i ride for now bernard he'd always said like well if you want to come ride just if you need a ride just come ride for me um we'll have oh, you bernard Kerr. so i was like yeah so yeah. um and he like runs he runs the team like i was so we were always kind of like bouncing ideas and stuff off each other because he was like a rider manager as well um he seemed like a cool yes, cattle so, bernard yeah, man, he's yeah, he's the dude who is going to do the supercross. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started watching yeah, yeah. some of his vlogs on YouTube because, like, I mean, I don't know what fuck. It seems like heaps of people give him shit, but um, but yeah, yeah. He, oh, he uh, brings it on himself, right? He takes it pretty well. Yeah, I was going to say, like, is he almost a bit of a troll in that sense? Like, he's one of those guys oh, where totally- he's like a lord when you actually like when you just talking to him, but he's just figured out that the way to you know get attention is to sort of stir stir yeah. some shit oh, it's 100 percent. Uh, but like uh he's in a pretty unique position where he can t- walk the walk as well because yeah <laughs> um, yeah because yeah. he's fucking so, like, good he's, he's fucking good um and he you know he's he's pretty he's like self-made he doesn't come from any you know like he doesn't have the backing his like family story is pretty gnarly um and so he oh, started really? the team with the yeah yeah so like he started the team with the caravan and stuff i thought um, he was i, I always up. thought he was like a rich kid sort of thing in his and like he just had the whole deal funded not that i know nah, fuck so, all, that's the that's the sort of yeah, story yeah. that i got so that's told. um that, like that's what people think but uh he so like his his grandma and granddad are wealthy and they lived in surrey but like where he lives like there's a family of there's five kids and a single mum and they all live in a um like terraced house uh so there was like yeah it was, it was like when you go and stay with bernie oh when when i used to go and stay with him and see kind of where he came from um it's the quite the opposite of what people think Mm. um so to see what he's built and you know where he's taken it because it started out as like you know a 15 a 500 dollar a 500 pound caravan towed behind a tranny that was borrowed off his mum. Mm. um he's built the team that i now ride for um is it still yeah. but like yeah that, yeah yeah so yeah. he's like ridden for them for 10 years and they've, yeah but since in that 10 years he's grown with the company to yeah. the point where now we're now we're like one of the bigger teams on the circuit um 
but uh yeah and it's sick because he he like gets it I, like i don't like answer to him he he's like he's always what he says goes but what he says well not what he says goes because i can tell him to get fucked but um <laughs> but like uh what his word he's like true to his word so and that's like that's actually quite hard to come by in our industry people mm. say stuff and then you don't get the deals that you're saying but um from the get-go he's been good our we have like probably the best bikes and components and team sponsors on this out of the circuit and like my career's kind of gone in leaps and bounds since joining the team so, um i don't like i don't feel like i owe him a lot but um he's always been fucking he's always been fucking good to me so mm. i can see how people talk shit but um yeah as you get the when you get to know when you pull off like the bravado because there's a lot of mm. it with him um he's a pretty solid guy he's uh i was watching one of the like one of his youtube videos and uh he he uh was wearing these fucking like i got these nike high tops and they're like my favorite shoes of, i don't know they're like 140 bucks which is fucking heaps for a pair of shoes for me and he's got the exact same fucking white pair and the cunt was wearing them in the mud and i'm just like <laughs> yeah. i was like you got too much fucking yeah, money yeah. bro you got too much you ride yeah. this trick white kx125 and you're wearing white shoes in the fucking mud don't know bro well, where he comes from is just money, 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 eh? So, um, anything, yeah, you know, like he's he's got a Porsche 964. Um, he had a Ferrari. He's like, yeah, but everything. So you reckon he's he got a hustler, all that? Man, like, you reckon he got all that from for, through his career? Yeah, hundred percent. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. Um, up until even up in 2015 like um you know he would be hitting me up for a hundred bucks that i owed him because <laughs> he needs it like, yeah right you know? um yeah yeah so yeah but he, he's a hustler like he's a hustler like everything he buys he'll make money on it's all in his head it, it all works out but mm. yeah it's uh yeah, there's nothing. There's been no. Um, well, there's definitely that I know of, and I'm. Yeah, I can speak pretty honestly about that. There's I, there's been no help, helping hands in his story. Mm, that's super cool, man. Yeah, yeah, you should I mean, get him. You should get it. You should get him on, bro. He's like fuck the uh, man. There's some insane stories. Dude, <laughs> that I, he'll I, tell I, you. I'd love to. Has he done many podcasts? Yeah. Like, is is he a guy that like the media sort of likes in the mountain bike world, or because I feel like Not you really. and Win, like you and Win, man, like everyone loves part. you guys. Yeah, well, um, it's because Bernie's cocky and shit. But I think the hardest part would be like um, getting him to tell some of these stories because, like, fuck the dude, um, the dude rented a Mustang at Rampage and went and jumped it in Utah put it on instagram and then like basically wrote a mustang off <laughs> like uh yeah yeah he was on like one of those um uh reality tv shows getting debt collected in the uk no like, shit yeah 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 so there's some yeah there's a, there's a there's a lot more to it yeah pretty funny shit 
Yeah, that's hectic. Yeah, he um like mm. yeah, in his vlogs and stuff, like you can definitely Yeah, you can definitely see like he comes across like super cocky and that he's like I guess it's just like he's owning it, you know what I mean? Like there's definitely there's a part of me that's super conscious all the time to like I just try to not come across like a fuckhead, you know what I mean? Like you just mm. I just don't want, I don't want even the attention that it brings when you sort of do put yourself out there in that way. Um, but I mean, it's cool when a person can just put themselves out there in a way that he does and just not give a fuck. Like it's probably the move, like the way I'm doing it is probably not the move. Mm. Well, like he's like, Oh dude, you should start a YouTube and shit. And I'm just like, man, I like don't want to open my life up to that. Mm. kind of like because what's this you can't do youtube if you half-ass it it just doesn't work like yeah. people want people want to be involved in you they like buying into you as a person they want to like know all the shit but um like i don't want them to know all the shit so mm. there's no point in me there's no point in me doing it unless you like find a different avenue where you can do it with like tech or something you know but mm. like in terms of like my day-to-day -day life like it's my life it's not the internet so yeah yeah um, no, no, that's no. what's like oh sorry that's man. what's kind of kept me off that's what's kind of kept me away from the whole vlogging mm. um thing because i'm just like if i'm not prepared to put in the effort then it's it won't work yeah yeah no the the youtube thing's a fucking animal man like it's hard to it's hard to crack and it's funny I had uh, Andy, you know Andy Jackman, the photographer. He's uh, like yeah, a, I've heard of him. Yeah, so he, we, I haven't spoken to him in ages, and we were just DMing each other yesterday, and he's like, "Oh, what have you been up to, man?" I was like, "Fuck, dude, I've just been keeping to myself, like crazy keeping to myself." And then I'm like, literally at my computer screen, looking, and there's fucking three million downloads on the on my stats that I'm like, I'm looking at this year, and I'm like. I ain't keeping it myself. Like that's fucking that's three million. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's three million people that are just fucking listen. But it's weird. And that's how... the thing. Oh, sorry, like um, yeah, yeah. How I, you know, like I've never spoken to you. We've like traded a few messages on Instagram, but like, I've listened to you and I've watched you so much that I feel like I know you. Mm. Yeah, it's that. It and, is uh, weird. Yeah. So it's like. And I guess with vlogging, you get that even more. Like at the races, some dudes come up and like one of our mechanics, Barney, he's in a lot of Bernie's vlogs. So like they come up and they like know Barney and they talk to Barney. And I'm just like, what the fuck? This is so weird. Like, <laughs> Oh, dude. Yeah, it, it, it is bizarre. Like the the weird thing like with the, the podcast is that it's so it's so easy to like compartmentalize the podcast because – it's just me and you like, and I don't, I don't listen to it again. I don't. So like, to me, all I've got is that this experience of like me and you talking and then you post it, and then, you know, like you, you sort of engage on social media, but that's, uh, just a time suck. Like I could literally sit on Instagram all day, every single day, just like talking to people about, you know, the, the podcast. But I mean, in the, if you just like just compartmentalize that then i am so fucking on my own like i see probably eight people regularly you know like i see my yeah. brother i see sam i see my parents i see my housemate and then i go to 
like jujitsu training and, and the track and yeah, like dude, it, so I don't, as much as, yeah, there's millions of people that will hear the content. It's, uh, it's so easy to like compartmentalize. And I, I feel like when I'm doing these things, like this is just, this is just myself. Like this is, if, if there were no cameras rolling, like I feel like I'd probably talk to you in the exact same way. But yeah, to do that vlogging thing, like you've got to like be a character almost. And you've got to like, you, you get this feedback of what people like about your character and what people don't like about your character. And then you're sort of making these like little adjustments. And then, you know, you, you can, I'm not saying this is Bernard, but then you, you see people that, um, they start to just like be the character and you're like, mm. wait, what you were, a, you were like doing this thing and you sort of, it worked, but now this is just you all the time. And then you end up getting into these weird fucking, yeah, weird places where you sort of don't know who you are yeah, anymore. So like the lines get blurred. Have you seen uh, that? It's um, it's on Netflix. I think it's called like Andy and Me. It's about it's a Jim Carrey movie, oh, and he Andy it's, with it's it, like yeah. a doc, it's like a Andy Kaufman. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Bro, it's insane. It's like um, it's a documentary, and um, so. Jim Carrey gets the like the role to play his like idol, mm. his comedian comedian called Andy Kaufman, and um, he what is he he um he basically method acts and he like yeah. becomes Andy Kaufman for the whole time, and Andy Kaufman has all these alter egos and stuff. So like sometimes he turns up as these alter egos yeah. to filming, and they can't film because the alter egos turned up. Yeah, and uh he becomes this guy for the whole time they film that when he tries to go back to Jim Carrey, he can't. And it's like super, it's super interesting. And it's like probably one of the trippiest, it's really funny. Like, but um, I think universal or whoever, they wouldn't release the footage for 20 years. Cause they said it would ruin Jim Carrey's career. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. And he, he talks about it, how he really struggles to like go back to being Jim because he's played this character for so long. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it makes like, sense, yeah. Man. So yeah. Yeah. So anyone listening, I'd re highly recommend it. Eh? It's, I think it's called Andy and me. Yeah. Um, on I've Netflix. seen some, it's real good. I've seen some shorts of it and I've heard him talk about it, but I haven't actually seen the, the film. But, but it's, um, it's trippy. He like, like the other actors know that he's acting, but, he they get like pissed off not, at him, eh? Yeah, because he will not. So, like, the director has to talk to these characters who Jim Carrey's playing and be like, "Can you tell Jim tomorrow? Jim needs to come in." <laughs> and like, he's like, obviously, you're talking to Jim Carrey, but he's They're he won't gone, accept yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, he ends up like fighting this like dude and stuff. It's it's a trip, man. It's sick yeah but, no, um, i've yeah. heard heaps of, i've heard heaps about it i i should finally watch it um dude i think um yeah i think that that uh that same thing happens in a sense with like social media too because it's like i mean all the i'm fucking going crazy deep into the meditation stuff at the moment and um and there's so much about like every strain of 
meditation, every type of um, spiritual sort of practice, it all centers around this idea of like the self being an illusion. So like you, what you tell yourself about your experience, like that's not there if you look for it. And that a lot of the cause of like suffering and, and uh, the unhappiness that we have is purely the a result of the things that you tell yourself about your experience and that is the you know what you'd call the self and then that made me think about social media in such a weird way now to where i i think it's like i just physically see it as harmful like even when i look at a video of myself and unfortunately like that i have to do that all the time now like i'm constantly looking at Right, it must, it must suck because I hate hearing my own voice. Oh, dude, it sent me fucking crazy. Honestly, like <laughs> yeah. I'm fucking crazy now as, as a result of it. Like all of the all of the meditation and shit has come out of it because yeah, like you're not supposed to you're not supposed to be invested in yourself, like or the idea of of who you are in the world, like or who you are separate to the world. And so now that I'm. Mm. Like, I think that I found all that shit purely because I was having to go through it by doing the podcast. And it was like, I love this job. Like, it's a fucking sick job. But it just came with some weird baggage that I had to deal with. And then you start to, (laughs) you know, you start to look into it and you're like, oh, this whole social media thing is like, you're making a copy of a copy. Because like, if the self is this illusionary thing and that's what like seeing through that is the thing that takes like practice. So essentially like if you're enlightened, you can basically see through this, like you don't see yourself as a self, like you're more closer to just like experience. You're not telling yourself about the experience or saying like, Oh, that was good. That was bad. I'm tired. I'm You just are what you are. And uh, Mm. so then it's like the thing that you think you are, is this is a copy essentially like it's all of this old data that you're adding together and putting together is like oh that's who i am but it's a copy and then you add social media to that and then it's like now you're in this copy of a copy type of situation and it's like when once you see that you're like oh i can see now why this is damaging and there's so many other reasons that you know like you spend too much time on your phone and you care about what people think and you know like there's all of those other you know the um things that where everybody's told about social media but i think the real harm is that it's like we almost to be happier you should get away from your ego and away from yourself as much as possible but then you're literally doing the exact opposite thing by like being on social media and editing these photos and and like uh trying to control the way that people see you and and you've you've just got this presence that is like very curated that's actually not you and then you start to identify with that so like there's some really weird shit that goes down on on that level and i think that i feel like it's probably going to be one of the things that i guess will be like the reason we come out of it in a way because i think we're going to go down into that world uh and get to the point where everybody's like okay this is obviously super bad yeah, I, it, I, I, yeah, I've never really thought about it, but now that you mention it, I completely agree that it will, it will go to the point where everyone knows that it is actually really harmful, and mm. then they'll start educating, and 
like maybe not our generation, not the next generation, but the generation beyond that will maybe be brought up knowing that it's actually bad. Bad. Because mm. I, I couldn't imagine but, being a kid and having to go through it nowadays, eh? Fuck, man. It'd be so wild. I was like, so my introduction to a cell phone was like probably six, uh, 15 or 16. Yeah. And like you pass, you, you pass a note around a class, everyone writes their numbers on it. Then you've got everyone's number in your class. Yeah. And like you text and stuff. And then it wasn't until what, 24, 25 that you, that I got on Instagram and not until like 26, 27 that you probably start posting regularly. Mm. And now I'm, now I'm like on it all the time. I know it's bad, but part of me is like, ah, oh, fuck, it's all good. But then, like you said, like, when I first got on Instagram, I post anything. I never, like, you would never, like, you never, like, take a photo and a story and then delete it and take a better one. Mm. You know, like, I didn't care. But now, now you're like, oh, actually, I could, like, put a better one up or, mm. fuck, you're like, oh, that post, that post didn't go that well. Or, but, like, you shouldn't, you don't need likes to validate things. But then, actually, we're starting to be wired that we do need them to be validated. For and you're like, yeah. sure, dude. Yeah, so like, I'm like, I'm saying, oh, I don't care. But that's a lie because I do care. And I mm. hate that I care. But, and it sucks because it's probably the most unhealthy thing to care about. Mm. <laughs> but, um, but it is true. It's like, when I put up something that I think is cool and it doesn't do well in terms of likes or traction or like comments, um, I'm like, oh, well, oh, maybe like, maybe I've got that wrong, mm. but it's not. It's like, it should be that I, st it is cool because I thought it was cool, mm. but I don't need, you know, like, especially with the way the algorithm and stuff works, it can just be bad timing, but I still deep down, I, you know, I kind of like deem it successful when it gets lots of likes and gets lots of comments and people, mm. yeah, when really the success is that I was proud of it and thought it was cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it sort of goes back to kind of what you were uh, saying about like your career got better when you just wore a fucking leather jacket and a party shirt like that, you know, yeah, and that, exactly. that, that's the most, you know, like I, I think, I think too, there's probably just a part of it. That's like, why can't a shit photo be a shit photo? Like, why is it even, you know, why does it have to be successful? Like what is even the need for it to, to do well? Like what is doing well other than it's just something that you like. And I think there's a bit of a problem in that, but I think that you'll get the, the real shit, like the real stuff that does actually make a difference and can really set things in a different motion can only sort of come from like what you did by just like taking the jersey off with the sponsors on it and putting on a party shirt and a jacket and it's like that you know they're the ultimate uh like the ultimate expression of you is like if it's good enough it will get noticed and i think that mm. a lot of time too people are just chasing shit that like you know let's say you want to be a photographer on instagram it's like well it's probably sailed <laughs> like it's probably over you know what i mean or yeah, yeah, yeah. and the only reason that it won't be over like andy jackman for instance like he's just a fucking sick photographer so like you yeah. should you should 
do what you want to do, post the things that you like, or even chase the things that you like. Like you did the downhill thing as opposed to, you know, getting a job once you got your business degree, because that was what you wanted to do. And it's like, at the end of the day, you were good enough for it to work. But if you weren't good enough for it to work, it shouldn't make it any less meaningful of a nah, pursuit. And yeah. I think that's the big problem is that if you can't be good at something and if you like, in a, I guess, all right, it, you talk about my podcast and it'd be easy to say, it's easy for me to say like, I'd do this anyway, but like it is super successful. So it obviously makes it a bit easier to do, but I would like to think that even if it wasn't as successful as it is like i would still want to talk to ed masters and that is something that should you know what i mean like the the good versus bad and i ain't getting fucking joe rogan numbers does that mean i'm not successful you know like the just the genuine love of the thing should be enough and then it also should be okay that if you go and have a crack and you don't qualify and you come home like that should be just as okay yeah, I like um, the whole world is geared around um, winning, winning, mm. but and then you know, like, because because the whole you know all these superstars, their world is like under a magnifying glass, and you can see it, and you're like, you see all the trappings of success, so mm. everyone gravitates towards that because they want it, but like. No one, you know, like I think you, you always talk about it and no one's putting up on Instagram that they had a shit day mm. or that, or that they've, you know, like a lot of these guys have probably, um, defaulted on their HP on the car that they've got or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and you don't, you don't know that you, you just see the car. So you're like, fuck, I need that. Like, that's sick. I need to do that. Um, so in that respect, it's pretty unhealthy. Like I think, um, if I had to pick between yes or no, um, I'd probably go no. Like if I had a choice, I'd say no to like Instagram. Um, but it's a part of life now. And um, like, yeah, I'm not going to like get on a high horse and say, yeah, like, I'm fucking on my phone. I'm on my phone all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm not, I've but, got actually no problems with Instagram. Like I actually, it doesn't, I think that if I had a choice, I'd, I would just, do instagram because i've met so many fucking lords through it like i have that many cool people in my dms that i can talk to and it's not just people that are famous and or have come on the podcast or whatever just like average fucking good cunts like there's so many mm. dudes out there so like i wouldn't take that away but i just have the discipline yeah, the community to... aspect is sick yeah it's just the scrolling like you just you just can't yeah. scroll like i've got an hour set on instagram that's my timer so like i i do the screen time app thing and yeah it's like once i hit that hour it's done unless i gotta post some shit but now i've had that on my phone for like a long ass time to the point where i sort of i very rarely hit that or i'll hit it when i'm in bed at night and i'll just be sort of cruising through but yeah i think ultimately it's like it's a good thing and i mean I think I said it with Berriman, but it's like, you could, it's like a hammer, you know, you can build a house with a hammer or you could hit some cunt in the head with a hammer. Like you've just, it's got to be on, yeah, yeah. it's got to be on you to be a good fucking trader, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. If Instagram's the car, like we're driving it, like yeah. you can crash it or you could like drive it at a hundred or mm. you could like drive it at three, three if you're in Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys, like, it seems like you and Wynn, 
are really great examples of what like a media presence can do for a career and like just you know other than straight race results because it's like you you haven't won a world champs like win hasn't won a world champs but you guys are probably some of the most popular riders on the fucking planet in mountain biking and it's like you guys have really used the the this new age of media to your benefit in a big way it seems like at least from the outside you know yeah oh when definitely more so than i have like uh i like you know he he hustles hard on it um he i think he figured out pretty early on that um that was a pretty good tool to have in the t- um and then i guess he's just kind of led by example and while i have only probably adopted like maybe 20 percent of his like, got me back yeah, yeah my laptop's uh i've got a bit of a bad i've got a bit of a workhorse of a laptop that uh has a penchant for dying randomly casually oh did it die then yeah 100 percent. but it just like dies and then you turn it back on it just starts up again fuck yeah um yeah so your, your last uh, yeah, words saying, were 20% of yeah. what Wynn does. Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, yeah, Wynn kind of... Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, you got Pornhub going. You got uh, Renee Gracie's OnlyFans, bud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a good podcast, man. That was fucking good. Oh, um, no, nah, I was saying that, uh, yeah, like, I've probably only... De- adopted 20% of Wynn's work ethic when it comes to social media. Um, well, not so much social media, but just content and the way that he can use it to uh, really, um, you know, use it as a... Because obviously, like you said, like race results are one. But if you've got if you've got something like Wynn's got, like the Wynn TV, the social media, the Wheelie Wednesday in mm. your back pocket, um, that makes you pretty valuable as a writer. And... Um, well, definitely, you know, like, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to kind of, you know, you never want, you never want to like do the same thing. So mm. a lot of, a lot of stuff's already been done, but like, there's a lot of content that I want to start putting out, um, be it videos, be it whatever, um, that, uh, that I, that I know I need to start pulling trigger on if you want to have like longevity in your career outside of racing as well, because, have you the got bigger, some ideas? Like, yeah, like I've always got ideas and stuff. Um, but like at the moment, I'm like, so I'm also really focused on racing where mm. uh, like I'm still I'm still ticking off goals and I'm still in a position in my career where, um, you know, I still feel like there's, there's unfinished business. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a, I guess for me, it's, you know, I'm coming to a point where it's a bit of a juggling act um, mm. where, you know, you you need to start thinking long-term because, like, fuck, I, lo- I love what I do and I want to be able to do it for as long as possible, you know, like, but, you know, like I always use, um, you know, like I feel like I'm on a wave and I just you're just riding it and you just, like, <clears throat> I'll do whatever I need to to stay on the wave because, fuck, there's probably not going to be a better one um, yeah, so I may as well try and, you know yeah 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 so like i need to try and yeah there's no sets out the back <laughs> this was the last of the set so you're in the, you're wanna, in the wave wanna, pool bro and your time is up 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I want to make, I want to try and make it last as long as I can because, um, you know, it's a, you know, it's a sick thing we get to do, and I'm hugely passionate about it. And I guess to be able to keep it going longer, um, I'll need to, you know, start exploring different avenues. And you know, obviously, people li- like most of the shit I put out, people like it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be someone else. I'm just being me and shit that I find funny. Most people find funny. So um, that's always handy because <laughs> yeah. otherwise it's a bit hard if you're finding shit really funny and no one else is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, I guess, you know, like when Wynn's got a lot of shit going on, but behind the scenes, he puts in so much work um, mm. and it's not easy. Like, a lot of people wouldn't probably don't know that like wind's actually kind of like really introverted and like not you know yeah, dude. like he, being in front of it yeah being in front of the cameras it's not natural for him it, like yeah. it's it's hard work he like he really has to like um you know he he really works hard at like putting that together cuz that's you know that's not quite that's not really something that he's comfortable with mm. um so like fuck um he doesn't get you know i give him this i got so much respect for like what he does because um i know that it sometimes it's not the easiest thing for him to do Mm. yeah um which is which is fucking cool yeah because he's made you know he's built this media empire and the brand that is win masters and uh he's done it you know he's he's had to go get out of his comfort zone um mm. and do things that he initially wouldn't have been comfortable with but um he's reaping the rewards now and he's he will have a long career in the sport outside of racing you know he he's at a point now where he doesn't have to race um he chooses to race um which you know no matter how fast you are a lot of riders wouldn't don't have that the novelty mm. of being able to pick and choose. And I think everyone, you know, people could say, oh, like it's lame and shit, but it's not lame. It's like he gets to do it, you know. It's, yeah, he's, he's lucky, but it's not lucky. He's worked for it. Mm. And uh, so, like, if that's an example that he's set, then I kind of, I know, you know, what you need to do and how to do it. And he's kind of, you know, there is a mapped out way Mm. Um, but you also you also need to be true to yourself and figure out how you can do it for you, because if you try and copy or do it another way, there's no way it's going to work. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, man. Yeah, when is he's such a fucking good dude, and he's such a hard working guy. Like he's so he's so genuine. So like to to see a dude like him get what he has got like he worked for it and he earned for it uh, he earned what he got but you know he's made himself like indispensable you can't get mm. you, like as a team for gt like if when if they ever part or you know however let's say hypothetically he left them everyone would be like what the fuck i can't believe they didn't hold on to him you know like that's the level yeah. of you know, brand that, that he has built. And it's so cool to, to see someone like realize that they need to step out of the box and then fully commit to it. And like you said, he's going to have a really long 
career in the industry now because of you know having the foresight and then you know doing the work it's like because not everyone it like there's one world champion a year there's you know a couple yeah. world cup winners a year it's like you you can't just it's almost like ignorant to just want that these days yeah and like um you know there are there are a handful of riders out there who are making like serious money but um you know for for those who aren't you've got to you've got to figure out how best you can build yourself as a brand as a racer mm. um to the point where so that you are you know because in our sport there's a shitload of riders who are really fast and uh but some people get the rides and some people don't and you've got to figure out like why that is and how you know i mean it might suck if you need to like suck up to some people but so be it it's like mm. that's the way that's the way it goes sometimes but um if you're someone like win or someone else who you know you know people who have done it differently then um you don't it'll come to you because uh you've got you know like he's got a he's got a pretty stacked deck when it comes when it comes to when he's sitting at the table you know yeah and yeah. uh like like you said like he is ingrained in the brand image that's gt yeah um and yeah you know like he you know he's like part of their brand identity and culture that, yeah 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 so like you know people would be like oh gt win masters they kind of go hand in hand that mm. uh you know if you've got if you've got that with the company then right you're pretty you're sitting pretty pretty good because they need you mm. is what you know then they need you whereas and other people for a lot you. of riders yeah yeah they need you other people want you whereas for the vast majority of races you want them and they <laughs> so, don't need you and that's and they don't need you because they can get someone else yeah who wants you as well who wants them as well so the shoes on the other foot and um yeah but you know shit like that, like you said like um it doesn't come easy he he worked for it so uh he deserves all the success that he's getting mm. whereas um because it's a lot of work man like he i guess you know because of all the like you're you know you're trying to you're kind of running like a bit of a media you know like you've got a lot of eggs and a lot of baskets mm. um but he he's like he's like hustling and he makes himself really accessible like he replies to all the comments replies to all the dms yeah. um and it's that kind of it's that kind of interaction that like it pays off long term and he's making it made a commitment to do it and obviously it's it's working yeah well dude it's funny you say that man like i struggle to do the dm thing like i'm um, i'd say i'd give myself a pretty good like i wouldn't say yeah. uh, i'm killing it at it and it's something i wish i did more of but i guess in the same way that you know you said shit doesn't come natural to win like i feel like i can be on camera and just like be myself i, I kind of don't give a fuck in that sense like i'm pretty comfortable like if you like me you like me if you don't you don't like that's cool like we don't have to i don't need i don't even need a conversation past that but what doesn't come natural is like the even though i love talking to people in this context and i love talking to people on, on the podcast like 
it feels weird for me to engage in like those kinds of conversations because I don't feel just normal in that sense. Like I feel different. And then that, so that shit becomes uncomfortable. But like when Renee Gracie did the podcast and she was talking about the amount of time she spent and the amount of people she replied to, I was just like, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it makes yeah. sense why you're fucking killing it because like it is so much work to reply to the the dms and then you get more and you get more well, and you get more DM, and you get more yeah a dm can so easily become a conversation and then you're like so you know it's not like you're just replying to one question mm. because then there's a reply that follows that and then you've got a thread and it's like um yeah it's a lot of work so the um, thing the thing that yeah, I, I, was was, I was listening to that um renee gracie one and i was like fuck oh, maybe i'm in the wrong business i was oh, sitting in dude. a hotel room i could have could have started an only fans right there and then i oh fuck dude the the thing that i don't like about it is that, that everyone like they're talking about you and it's like i i don't know that the person so i can't really interject in the same way that 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 person is you know like they're asking these questions and like there's this instant thing where like you just feel weird for talking about yourself to a stranger mm. and like that to me i just never really felt comfortable with that and yeah i mean and and then yeah for me i'd be i'd literally just be having to interview every fucking person in my dms like what do you do what are you? and and then that yeah, yeah the yeah. time you know the time i'd rather it's almost like i'd rather not reply if i can't give time to talk about something else i'd rather and then i'd rather just not do the the fucking talk about myself thing yeah it's, i mean like just the amount of time you, that you'd have to put in mm. to reply like honestly to everyone you know and give it a fair a fair one then um yeah it would yeah like i'm i'm not I'm not replying to every DM that I get um, because, yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's, just, it's, yeah, it's the time. Not, yeah, it sucks. I can't, it I can't do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, the, the, one of the really awesome things that you guys have with mountain biking as well, I think is that, and like the opportunity, like I, I think that the opportunity that mountain bike guys have, and it's sort of clear with, with win and, and it, like Davey with, with, um, the hookup podcast, like, you know, the things that him and Ollie have going on, it's like, there's such a, there's so much space to make a living in mountain biking outside of racing world cups. And I think that sport, there's not a lot of sports like that, like moto, there's not that many dudes that aren't making a living out of um not racing and you you know even the freestyle guys that are making a living out of it now it's getting smaller and smaller but mountain biking is such a huge global sport there's like government investment like the amount of governments that are investing into um bike parks and you know like you look at derby here and you got road rural and you got all of these places yeah. all over the world like man the opportunity that mountain bikers have that i mean i can see because i've essentially made a living in my sport by being fucking dog shit at it and it's like i could see yeah you know, there's like you guys are making being shit at motocross cool fucking oath mate wait, wait me and sammy are gonna do <laughs> yeah, yeah. this 
we're going to do this whole series next year called semi-pro because like essentially we yeah. both make a living from dirt bikes but we're not fucking pro so all right mate i'm i'm a big fan of that because i got a 125 this winter and um you know i ride a i rode a lot of xr hundies and stuff so i went in there thinking i was gonna be all good and fuck me was it a reality check <laughs> <laughs> dude i was like i am so shit i basically almost ended my career twice on the first two jumps <laughs> just because i was like went to the track and i'm like well how can i how can i go around the track like and have fun if i don't do the jumps it's gonna be shit so i was like well i would jump these on my mountain bike so i'm just gonna go send them and uh fuck I, yeah the boys were like dude just please just stop jumping no shit <laughs> dude it's no yeah, joke yeah. like even to be as shit at motocross as I am is fucking hard. Like, it's oh, not man. I was like, it ain't easy. There's so much to think about. And then like, I was like doing huge ear wheelies and the boys are just like, why don't, why don't you just grab the clutch and hit the brake? And I'm like, exactly. Like, I don't think like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's uh, fucking fuck, no it's joke. It's good fun, man. Oh man, it's, mm. it's unreal. Eh? And like the, you know, it's a, a bunch of stuff that me and Bailey talked about. Like I'm finally... At the age where I don't give a fuck to be fucked. It's fast, okay man. to be shit. Yeah, it's all good, yeah. man. But now, like, I'm seeing so much more enjoyment personally out of it. And it's like, I'm hoping, like, what I would like to do in terms of, you know, if you talk about, the, you know, writing the articles and trying to have the influence on your sport. Like, one of the things I'm trying to do with motocross is make more opportunities for people to make a living out of motocross that don't revolve around like the racing industry because it's like for me i wanted to be pro and i was doing fucking 20 minute motos every day and like i went i tried and did that for a bit and it's like it was never going to happen and your only options then were to be like a fucking mechanic or uh you know, someone on the team or to do something with the tracks or whatever. Like it was so limited and like, even, you know, I chose to do the, the video thing, but like, man, there was no one doing it. Like the reason I chose to do videos is because there's people in Australia doing it and literally no one in Australia, uh, sorry, people in America and no one in Australia, like two or three people. But you know, now I think that with the way that, you know, content is and shit like that, you, you don't, I want to try and push the fact that you don't have to be good to create shit that is like going to inspire people and push your sport forward and you know just create these opportunities like more opportunity for more people to make a living out of the sport because you know if the more people that are making a living out of the sport would by definition mean like the bigger the industry is like there's only a you know you can only sort of pull from the pie so and even with you know the shit that i post on youtube and stuff like i try and make it almost like clickbaity to where it's like if you know nothing about motocross you're gonna see it and like be kind of interested and you know sort of it's like trying to drag people in to where it's like they may have a fucking random youtube recommendation because they watched a motorcycle fails video but maybe we could give them some content that's like inside the moto world that they would actually kind of be into and it's yeah, not yeah. just this racing 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 but i think that it exists yeah, it's, so much in mountain biking yeah and because like racing yeah i guess because we kind of hijacked that a bit but um yeah like you know mount, mountain biking is massive um yeah. and it is 
fucking cool that people can make a living um, doing so many different, you know, there's so many different avenues that you can go down to make a living, mm. which, uh, you know, which is like pretty comforting to know that, you know, um, for my whole life, racing has been the be all and end all, but now you can kind of see, you know, you like, yeah, Moses is part of this. Moses is part of the sea, and on the other side, there's jobs. It's still well. cool shit. Yeah, yeah, and because uh, you know, like I've, you know, like maybe over the past two years, you kind of like I turned thirty, <laughs> had like a thirty year old crisis, and I'm like, fuck, like, uh, what am I gonna do? Like, what do I do when I finish racing? Like, I still feel like I'm like in my head, I still feel like I'm twenty one. So that's good because. Um, but like, obviously you, your body and stuff, you've got to look after it and shit. So like there will come, become a time when I can't mm. race or maybe the level of competition and stuff passes you. And all of a sudden you're not as good as you once were. Mm. Cause I've always had this primal fear that one day I'll wake up and everyone will be in on the joke that I was actually shit. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my world as well, bro. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're like, fuck, everything seems to be going so well. And like, um, you know, like, when's it all, when are you going to snap out of it? And realize, when's everyone going to like wake up and be like, oh, fuck, <laughs> that, that was that was the biggest like yarn ever. What but um, so far, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so far it hasn't happened. So, um, yeah, but yeah. The whole mountain biking, like with the, I guess you, because I didn't realize that Glenn Jacobs was your uncle or what, mm. what, but um, yeah, so like he had what World Trail, yeah, um, you know, like trail building funded myself, well, like my career. I wouldn't have made it as a mountain biker if I didn't have a summer job of trail building to go home to. Like yeah, hands right. down, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened. That was probably one of the biggest catalysts um, for change was having a trail building i worked in brizzy um and did like so with nz trail we like worked for a billionaire who had some land he bought a he had all these plots around the world um and he employed about 200 kiwis and he had like uh trail building sites in nelson brisbane canada mexico chile portugal uh jamaica dude and like so i i did I lived in Kilcoy, which is like yeah. about 40K, 40 k's inland from Caboolture um, yeah. for a year. I lived there for a year. No that shit. Was, that was pretty. That was um, that was pretty funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, that, yeah, yeah. That's like you get a you get a good feel for rural Australia out those ways. There's you two pubs and a meatwork. You would have banged some weird chicks out there, bro. Oh man, fuck the locals. The local boys were not stoked when 30 Kiwis who were keen to party moved into town. Hey, fuck, we got ourselves in some trouble, though. Really? Um, yeah, we got banned from both pubs, and we just ended up having to, like, we just couldn't stay in Kilkui on the weekends. We just would go to Noosa and uh, Malulaba and stuff. Cause no it, we shit. just Yeah. It, but um, so I lived there for a year. But, like, having that job meant I could, I could save money quickly. And that's like what funded the two years that I was paying my own way on the World Cup. Um, but yeah, so like with trail building and all the, you know, there's so many different aspects of mountain biking. Um, and even in the racing, like the pay, the pay goes quite deep in the field. 
and there's so many disciplines. Whereas, mm. like, I don't know, I don't really know how it works for motocross, but um, yeah, the actual pay you know, itself is shit. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're yeah pretty pretty lucky. Um, like, I never would have thought. Like, when I was at school, I like, it was fucking. People thought I was like it was weird. It was like an obscure sport to be doing. Mm. And now all those all those guys are sending me links to bikes, asking me if this is the bike they should buy, no which shit. is like buy a pivot, it, yeah, dickhead. Yeah, so it's got, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, 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 they all hit me up asking for a pivot, and I'm like, bro, I cannot get you a deal. <laughs> like it doesn't work like that. And then people just think that I have this like, I mean, yeah, we get a lot of bikes, but like, I do not have a treasure chest full of bike parts under my bed that is just there for me to give out to all my friends i like hey bro have you got an xtr derailleur i'm like nah I, like if i break one i have to hit up shimano to get one i don't have one yeah do you <laughs> and they just cannot get their head around it do you have a 300 dollars envelope in your shed that i could just like come and take it's like the same question <laughs> yeah right? exactly yeah yeah no um, but but yeah. you get it for free and i'm like uh yeah, well, yeah, but I like it's. I don't have it on me right now. Free, to ain't give free, you. bro. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but, it's um, something. It's nah. something that is um, super cool to sort of know that you're in a sport where, if you really did think about it, you could, you could make like. There's just so many avenues to to make money, and like I was even when Bailey was on the podcast the other day, we were talking about. Um, like if I was if I was like a pro guy that wasn't winning races but like good enough to go to nationals, I'd go to like Yamaha or whatever, and I'd be like, "Hey, I want my like race bikes and I want to do my racing." But every single weekend that I'm not at a national, or every like well once a week or twice a week, I'll take a like three of your bikes and I'll do like demos. Like let's set up the insurance, let's set up the indemnity forms, and I'll just like be at a bike park. Oh, at a local track with these bikes and I'll like supervise and it's like and then Yamaha would like give me a wage like that would be so worthwhile to a company that if like mm. you did that and then you were a guy that you could introduce new people to the sport and you'd go to every Yamaha dealer in the area and be like oh I give them my phone number I run these it's free they come we got some gear and shit there it's like imagine how many bikes that you'd sell it's like those are the ideas that you know, people should be kind of coming up with to like subsidize their lifestyle essentially. Cause it's like, you know, when you were talking about your role as a team manager for those few years, it's like, yeah, you just paid for your life for those few years. It's not like yeah. you were saving heaps of money, but like, yeah, this sick lifestyle and you paid for your life. And essentially that's what I'm doing with the podcast. Like the shit that you guys see me do and hear me talk about, that's just like the shit I want to do. Like, I want to do jiu-jitsu, I want to fucking ride motocross and race and, like, carry on with my friends, and then I want to do, I want to talk to people. So, it's like, I just figure, it, there's not really that much money left over, like, I ain't really banking much shit, but, like, this is a lifestyle, and I've figured out a way to subsidize it, and if you subsidize it for long enough, and you get in a routine, and you figure out how to build on it, then it's like, you have this sick lifestyle that you've figured out how to pay for, and then now you're like constantly sort of leveraging it. But it's like, I just see I so think, much. Um, 
Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. There. No, no, no. You, I just, th- I just think there's so much more potential than than people actually think there is. You know, and especially in a sport like mm. mountain biking, I think there's even more than motocross. But I think um, a lot of people are like the 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 ego gets in the way, and they don't want to do that because it's not deemed the way cool that thing, like yeah. the cool guys or the pro. Yeah, it's not the cool thing, or it's not the way that like the pros do it, but. Fuck! If, if if you're going to a track and demoing three bikes and getting bikes to race and a wage, not having to go to work, you are like the one winning. who's you are winning hands down compared to the dude who can do like fat whips but has to go out to go and drive a dozer Monday to Friday <laughs> and still gets to go to the still has he drives the dozer to buy his bikes to race you and maybe goes a little bit quicker than you but like who's winning and it's like. 100% the guy who's doing the demos and, you know, doing it. He's cr- like, in my eyes, that's like you've cracked it for sure. Mm. If you can, yeah. But that's kind of Whereas, what you did essentially. Yeah. Like you started your, uh, you started a race team on a bike that no one had fucking ever heard of. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, yeah. And then, like that's exactly, it's the same thing. I just don't think that, I don't think people frame it in that way. I don't think like that's the perspective of the situation. It's like, this is the lifestyle I want to live. I just got to figure out some creative way to subsidize it for a couple years. And then, you know, you just figure out, you, you figure out a way then to like grow on that and on that. And it's like, that's sort of where I'm at with the podcast is like, I've figured it out. It pays for my life. And now it's like, how can I actually have this be like a thing that, you do get all the other bullshit that people tell you you need to have like a fucking house and all that shit. It's like, I'll figure it out from here now, but it's like, it is here now and I've got that opportunity. And it's like, you've kind of got to, I think if people frame it like that, like figure out what's like the most povo lifestyle that you could live and, but doing the thing that you want to do and then just do that until you figure out how to make it have as much money as like any other bullshit thing that you could do. Yeah. Nah, I completely agree with you. Eh? It's like, um, yeah, and like, for, like, there's loads of jobs and stuff that is in the mountain bike industry, and you're never going to run out of people to talk to because mm. even if you talk to the same people again, like Chad Reed's life five years on from the last time you talked to Chad Reed, people were interested in that because they were interested in Chad Reed before you talked to him. Yeah. And now they probably want it. They probably want to know what happened in five years in time between, since you yeah. last talked to him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like you, you've got this like bottomless pit of content as long as you've got the enthusiasm and the drive to like keep pumping it out. Mm. Um, that is like, that's, that's sick. Cause um, yeah, as long as like in your, in your thing, as long as you stay relevant uh, and you know, ask the right questions and keep the conversation flowing. Mm. Like people probably won't get bored because, you know, like I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I like regularly listen to your ones because, um, you know, like you talk to interesting people, you don't like dominate the conversation with like your own views, but you like have good, you know, you've got good chat and like some of these podcasters don't, mm. but the people they're interviewing do have good chat. So it's like, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's like, yeah, hats off to you. It's like, it seems to be working and it's, yeah, I, you know, it's a cool thing that you've built. 
I appreciate it, dude. Well, I think that in that same way that like you would never have, you would never run out of, yeah, people that froth on mountain biking. And if you like, you guys are doing this cool thing that is like inspirational to people or like not, not necessarily inspirational, but like aspirational. Like I always, I wish I could ride a mountain bike the way that you do. And I think that if you present it in the right way, I don't think that people are ever going to get sick of somebody that's like humbly ripping a bike and giving it to you in a way that like makes you stoked to ride your bike if that makes sense yeah and like i always try and think that like um you know you never want to make yourself seem out of reach so like Mm. you know like always be true to like you know like i'm happy to talk to anyone like if you bump into them i'll go riding with anyone because like you know it's actually way you know i I enjoy riding sometimes, you know, like, cause I ride so much. Sometimes I don't enjoy riding, but I enjoy riding with people. Mm. And that's, that's like part of it is like, you know, sometimes the only time that it never, it never feels like a job, but sometimes I have to go out and ride for three hours and it's like, I'm not that stoked on it. And I'm by myself. Um, yeah, it's just what has to get like, done. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you know, and it comes back to that whole thing is like, you don't have to do it. You get to do it. And I appreciate that. I'm lucky that I get to do it. I never mm. feel like I have to do it. Um, but if I was riding that three hours with someone, I, you know, if I bump into people on the trail on my three hour ride by myself, I always ask them where they're going. Cause if I can ride with them, it's so much better regardless of their ability. Yeah. It's sick. And then, um, yeah. And then like, you're kind of sharing the stoke and then they're stoked. So it's like, yeah if you can always if you can always do that if i can keep up if i can keep that kind of mindset um never really any bad days <laughs> yeah yeah that's so true so uh yeah. what's the what's the uh what's the plans for little off season 2020 before you uh get into the 2021 season um fuck uh, ride that yz boy yeah, yeah, got the YZ. Um, I live in a pretty crazy house in Queenstown with a bunch of the Vanzacs. Um, so I'll go back there um, and listen, listen let to me some, hear down. Listen or... to some drum and bass. Yeah, listen to some take, drum and bass. Take your uh, fucking shirts off and carry on. Yeah, yeah. We've like, I think in our garage we've got 20, over 20 CRF 100s. Oh. Uh uh, we've got a we've got a like we've got a Hundy Supercross track. We've got a Hundy's out Hundy Outdoors track. Um, yeah, everyone's got big bikes. Um, Queenstown's obviously a pretty fun place to be, mm. and, and summer in New Zealand is sick. So, looking forward to it. Like the last two summers, I've been at home where my parents live because I've been injured, and I never I never want to be injured in Queenstown because the lifestyle doesn't really lend itself to recovering well. Mm. um so i'm pretty pumped that this is my first summer uh for two years um not hold, not carrying some quite kind of injury last last year i had like almost completely wrecked my wrist to the point where it was game over and then the year before i had an acl done so um now i'm pumped on it it's gonna be sick and then i bought a bmw uh cafe racer Oh, sick. Um, 
Yeah, like uh, Bernard was like, if you win any prize money this weekend, you have to spend it on a toy and it has to be spent straight after the race. And I was like, okay, sweet. Because you never like, you know, obviously prize money's sick, and but like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's few and far between sometimes. Yeah, you, know, you, lo- you lose a lot more races than you win. Yeah, um, but it just so happened that 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 weekend I won some money, so I was like, I'd been like looking at these bikes on Trade Me, and I just so I bought this uh, R seventy five nineteen eighty six cafe racer. Um, so I'm pretty. I've, well, I don't even have a license to ride it, but obviously. <laughs> we'll get you know we, we we can we can get around that one day but, at a time um, one day at a time yeah 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 i'm only going cruising officer it's all good yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah so pretty pretty pumped on that um and yeah new, new zealand summer in new zealand is sick i mean it's the same as aussie it's like but we we definitely do it right down this yeah. part of the world uh Dude, New Zealand, like, fuck. I've become a massive, massive, massive fan of New Zealand. I think I've been over four times now. I had a, a curse with New Zealand. I was, when I first started in Australia working for, like, the magazines and shit back in the day, I was still racing, and I was getting invited to go and do these, um, like, bike tests, like, new bike tests and stuff for magazines and, and launch events and shit. And, um... And yeah, like fucking, it would just, I'd break a collarbone, break a collarbone, break a collarbone. Like, so three, I had three trips to New Zealand planned and then three broken collarbones. So I, I was, at one point in time, I was just resided to the fact that I would never go to New Zealand. And then, uh, yeah, I went, when I finally ended up getting to go for the, the first Supercross and then that did the next year. And then I did Ben Townley's tour and then Farm Jam. So I've gone like four times pretty well back to back and that place is just so fucking insane and like that week at townley's is still i think of all the shit i've done in my life of all the places i've gone of all the fucking epic shit that week was probably the funnest week yeah now that uh now that i've kind of got the moto bug and uh obviously i'll give it a bit more time until i'm safer but fuck i really want to get a few of the boys together and uh do one of townley's weeks because eh? oh man um it just it just be like yeah you guys already sold it to me but um yeah nah definitely want to do it um just it'd be sick to just get a crew together and do that kind of thing because obviously like you can go and um you can go and do it all yourself in new zealand and stuff it's easy but uh just the whole like you know it's kind of sorted out you don't you're not like arguing about where to go riding and shit it's just you just turn up um I, uh, I reckon it'd be a bloody good time, eh? You don't even have to put your fucking bike on the stand, and they wash your gear. Like it's like <laughs> it's like yeah, a, yeah. it's like going on a boat trip surfing. You know, like we don't sort of yeah. And that's one of the things I was talking about, like mountain biking and surfing and snowboarding. Like all these other sports have so much more opportunity for like travel and these different kind of things. In in moto, it's just like so much harder to do. But like this is a perfect example of like what BT's done with his tours, is he's just taken the fuck around out of it and created this whole new thing. And it's like, yeah, you can go do it with your mates, and we go ride all the time. But there was just something about that. And then throw in the fact that you got a world champion to ride with every day, and like the dude, you couldn't 
roast Ben Townley hard enough. And he's, you know what I mean? Like, that's so gnarly in a dude that was the best in the world at something. Like, normally yeah. those kind of guys, you can't roast them. You can't give him a hard time. But him is just like, you could, you, he's like ice, dude. You can't burn him. <laughs> oh, that's good, eh? It's good to hear. Um, yeah, I've only met him a couple of times, but yeah, no, he's been pretty, he's been a pretty solid bloke. Yeah. Well, dude, I want to, when the borders open, because I feel like uh, New Zealand's probably the first place that we're, like, Aussies are going to be able to go. So I think I'm just going to do something, go there, get a van. Like, even if me and Sammy have to buy, like, a fucking $1,000 van, and I want to drive the thing from the north to the south, and then even if we just fucking leave it somewhere and fly home, you know? Mm. But, like, man, it'd be so sick. And because there's so many cool people in New Zealand that I'd love to get on board with that because like wind rides pretty good man like i've been riding with wind. yeah he 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 um yeah because like obviously me not really riding much moto i never go i would never go with him and i didn't have a motorbike and stuff um but yeah he goes he goes good now and uh mm. yeah so i was like fuck i can't i need to step up my game otherwise because uh we oh a couple of weeks ago, we went and rode at Dorno in Italy. Oh and, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is my first. This is my first outing to impress the older bro." <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, nah. It didn't. It, it went well, but it didn't go amazing." Yeah, um, yeah. No, nah, he yeah. he honestly rides it, good. Yeah, and um, yeah. Where we where we grew up, and like when when's it, when we're in. Like I spend a bunch of my time in Queenstown, but Wynn spends a lot of time at home in our hometown. And uh, there's so many tracks. Like mm. you can ride private tracks five days a week if you want to. It's like uh, he I, like when I'm at home, I, I like I only ever see him if we're going to ride the dirt jumps and stuff because he's always just out riding moto. That's and so there's sick. rides going on leaving to row. Like you can you can be at a track in ten minutes from the middle of town. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like so accessible and it's probably it's like that um it's like that everywhere um you know the whole the whole country everyone every town has a motocross track if if you want to go ride man it's crazy Pretty, like the the times that we've been over there like my it's it's actually one of the sick that's one of the sickest things about instagram actually is anywhere we go we get dm'd with like sick private tracks now so like yeah. that was always the, the, oh, that was always so shit is that when you know you'd sort of travel to ride and you'd just get stuck riding whatever was around but like yeah nowadays we're just getting fucking flooded with this sick of shit like when Berriman come over and we were supposed to do that road trip dude like i flagged so much stuff in my inbox i was like i'm coming to your house i'm going to your house but so same when i went to new zealand fucking i get hit up when i was in queenstown actually we were staying at the red bull house and uh, I get hit up by this guy and he had like the dodgiest username. It was like 01121 Fluffy. Fucking, I was like, nah, I don't think I'm coming around. Oh, 02141 yeah, yeah, Fluffy. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know yeah. Fluffy. Eh? I know so, Fluff. yeah. Fuck, turns out he's the biggest lord ever. But uh, he like, right. hits, <laughs> he's a, he was a good mountain biker too, eh, in the day. Yeah, he's, he's five-time New Zealand champ. Fuck, that's so hectic. Yeah, he rides sick on um, motor He is a loose unit. Oh, bro. I can't... E I don't even know the half of it, I bet. Um, 
Yeah, no, he is a fucking loose unit, man. So, like, uh, now that, yeah, like, he's from Taranaki where we, me and Wynn grew up. And, uh, yeah, he <laughs> he goes, for an old dog, he goes so hard in all forms of life. It's, uh, yeah, you struggle to keep up. Oh, yeah, dude. So, yeah, he, he hits me up and he, like, sent me the, a message saying I got, you know when it's, like, too good to be true? <laughs> he's like... Dude, got a sick private grass track. It's 10 minutes from where you're staying. Uh, I got a brand new 450 that you could ride. I got all this and I got all that. And I was like, this fucking sounds like it's like going to be really good. And that it's means... It's too good to be true. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's probably going to be dog shit. Yeah. And then Wynn hits me up. He's like, oi, bro, I'm going to go ride. And I was like, oh, where are you riding? And he's like, oh, this grass track 10 minutes out of town. And I was like, is that with fluff? <laughs> and he's like... He's like, he's like, how do you know? And I was like, oh, all right, yeah, I'm coming. And he's like, what? So then I was like, yeah, yeah, no, we're, I've like already been hit up. But yeah, like everywhere in New Zealand, as soon as we go there, that's the one place where I just get sent the most bullshit photos of tracks. And I'm like, fuck, I'm coming here. Like doing Townleys was sick, but I want to come do Townleys, but then stay for like another week or so and just like drive and ride all of these crazy places. Cause like, I've never seen anything like it. Bro. Like, um, I feel guilty when, you know, people not like yourself, but like if people from further afar come to New Zealand because they like, you know, like being bought <laughs> up a Kiwi and stuff, you know, they, they've actually seen more of the country than I have. Yeah. Uh, because yeah yeah so like you know we don't really go off the beaten path and do all these touristy activities but i'm like fuck so like this summer i need i'm like because i'm like i never want to i don't want to pay to go and like see something in my own country yeah but uh you see these photos and stuff and you see all these activities and i'm just like fuck i i need to you know ditch the ego and go and just like because Every hundred k's, the country changes changes so dramatically. Yeah. Um. That there's there's just like so much shit to do. Like I love, I'm a shit surfer, but I love surfing. Mm. And like, you you can surf everywhere in New Zealand, basically. There's, yeah, I, I've wherever, never surfed in New Zealand. If, if there's coast, if there's coast, you can surf. Like where where we grew up, there's like it's called the surf highway. There's like fifty surf breaks in like fifty kilometers. Wow. Um, yeah, I can be like, yeah. And you just like, you take it for granted. But then when you travel and stuff, yeah, I'm like, fuck, I'm always so stoked to come home because I'm like, is yeah, I still have yet to fi really find a place that I would rather live than in New Zealand. Obviously, you're biased because you're brought up here and stuff, but nah, I man, we're, we're pretty I, lucky. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like if I had to, if someone said to me tomorrow, they're like, hey, man, no more podcasts you've you've got no more work to do you've just got to go and cruise you you know pick where you want to be to have like fuck all contact you know what i mean essentially we're cutting you off i'd be like hmm, i might go yeah. to rotorua <laughs> like live in <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. like go and live near near those boys and just have like fucking sick bikes and sick tracks and always seems like the dirt's good over there like you know because we got tons of cool shit here but we've we're so much more seasonal in terms of like, of, um, mm. you know, like we get the rain when it rains and then it's kind of too wet to ride. And then when it's dry, it's dry as fuck. So we sort of don't have that 
climate to keep the dirt good, even though we've got a bunch of cool tracks and like a bunch of sick shit. Whereas I feel like New Zealand, when we were there with BT, it hadn't rained in five days. It's like, fuck, it's dry, eh? Where he's like, hasn't rained in five <laughs> days. Like, this like, is the dream. I know, eh? Like, fuck, it means you actually get to practice dust for once in a while. Yeah, yeah. No, but we're yeah, definitely, it is um, definitely bloody lucky with, uh, you know, the country that we have. And even just the lifestyle, like, people like doing shit. Mm. you know it's uh well maybe it's the circles that i run in and stuff but um everyone loves to do shit it's like you're out moto you're out mountain biking skiing surfing snowboarding like uh you make the most of like what we have and like you're kind of brought up with that from a young age like Mm. um obviously i mountain i mountain biked from the well not mountain bike but i just biked from the get-go that was probably like the staple uh mm. activity that i did but like, like you know i skated i like you know surfing um you know you do like so many sports and it makes these like so well-rounded i think just yeah. doing a bit of everything so yeah, no, um t- totally agree whereas like other countries like from the uk and stuff um with a lot more people and limited space, I think like kids, you know, they have to kind of focus on one thing. They don't really get the opportunities to do a lot of shit because, um, you know, obviously it's really expensive, but like sport in New Zealand is quite accessible. Like, Mm. um, you know, every town has a skate park and stuff. Whereas in the UK, like if, if you wanted to go to the skate park, you probably have to drive there. Mm. Whereas like, you know, I can't think. I can. Ne- I couldn't imagine not having it. Like the, the skate park is, the skate park is a perfect like. It's almost like the book of life. You learn how to navigate Dude. so many situations by hanging out at a skate park. Remember how like scared you like, were as a kid when like some fucking gnarly looking cunts would rock up to a skate park and you just like were con- yeah, yeah. convinced you were gonna get fucking murked. Yeah, like imagine, imagine turn out to a skate park and. But like, so like you turn up and like some of like a lot of my mates are all got tattoos and shit. Yeah. There's a kid there. There's a kid there who is convinced that you're about to walk over and bash him. hundred <laughs> percent. I was that kid. One trillion percent. Like, yeah, yeah. and we so, used to, we used to like, get fucking bashed constantly at the skate park. Like where we lived was so fucking Darrow and sketchy, bro. And like every time yeah, these kids rocked up we'd be like fuck we're getting in a fight but then you were too scared you didn't want to leave because then you'd look like a pussy and they just there yeah. was so much like fucking hectic social shit that went down in skate parks and dirt jumps dealing like, with like uh, dealing with the council knocking your jumps over and and like you know there's fucking weirdo fuck weirdos turn up to the skate park because they know kids are there and you're just like yeah oh you fucking pedo and shit fuck off and you're like Dude. learn how to be a smart ass and then like you're fuck, dealing yeah, with the cops just, and like, the council yeah and then like getting drunk and shit and um it's it's like i always say it's like such a good um if you can survive it and and uh not turn into a fucking idiot um you learn so many good little lessons for navigating life. Oh at the man! Skate park. 
dude i 100 100 agree well hey i got a bell dude but um it's been fucking Very awesome nice. yeah i've really really enjoyed having you on i knew it was going to be a good one and uh yeah stoked we uh stoked we got to make it happen ah, cheers for having me like uh i didn't have much else going on so managed to fit you in bro <laughs> yeah well fuck i'm lucky eh? i wouldn't have, would have to go through your people otherwise <laughs> Oh, yeah, you'd be one of those DMs that I forgot to reply to. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. Well, yeah, man, hopefully uh, hopefully at some stage, I'd love to get you and Wind in the studio at some point. Hopefully, if the world ever goes back to normal, we could do some kind of cool content, mountain bike, moto, fucking deal with you and, and Wind and uh, basically yeah. just an excuse to go back to the Kilcoy pub, really. Fuck it, oh, man. I don't know if they'd be stoked to see me. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's awesome all right bro well yeah, yeah i really yeah. really appreciate it man thanks heaps so it was fucking rad to chat Sweet, dude. Uh, thank you so much it's been good it's been good to uh talk to someone um yeah lacking a bit of uh interaction at the moment nah just get on only fans bro yeah renee gracie it's gonna be i'm coming for you <laughs> <laughs> oh right i did sweet boss see you bro. Ciao.